Hello and welcome to the show, everybody. Usually we start the episode, each episode, with a nice audio clip. We're not doing anything differently here. However, we want to take this time to acknowledge Jordan Maxwell, a very, very good researcher who had recently passed away. You're about to hear a clip from him. Poor Jordan Maxwell passed away March 23rd of this year. So this is to you, Mr. Maxwell. Of great reference books out there that tell you where things have come from. First of all, <clears throat> all of the things which are going on in this world today, uh, from 9/11, all of the wars in the Middle East, all of the uh, the incredible bloodshed that's being uh, spilled all over the earth, can be traced back to. And you might want to remember what I'm saying here because you, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to make the connection when I first tell you, but I'm going to try and explain it to you. The things which are happening today, the people who are in power in this country, um, the, the, the great generals from around the world who are planning wars and violence and bloodshed, all of this stuff can be traced back to the planet Saturn. Saturn is a very, very pivotal, important concept in theology and religion. And most people have never been told any of this and have no knowledge of it at all. But the planet Saturn is very important in world affairs and theology. And the Islamic belief, the holy city of Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia, Mecca has a Masonic circle, and within the Masonic circle is a square. Because you've got to do everything on the square, remember. <clears throat> you have a town square, you have New York square, you have uh, a Vatican square, you have uh, red square, you have uh, all kinds of squares. Why? Because this is Masonic. And it goes all the way back into the ancient world the terms and symbols. Again, the planet Saturn is called the black square. It's called the dark sun, the black sun. This is what the Nazis and the SS and the Gestapo wore black. That's why uh, priests wear black. That's why judges wear black robes. Why do you think a judge wears a black robe? He wears a black robe because when you used to graduate from university, you wear a black robe. Why black robes? Darth Vader wears a black robe. What the hell does a black robe have to do with anything? The judges wear black robes. You know, Supreme Court judges wear black robes. Black robes represent the priesthood of the planet Saturn, the Saturnalian Brotherhood. All you need to do is study Nazism, and you will begin to see that the powers behind the Nazi party, the Thule Society, the Germanian Order, were all members of something called the Saturnalian Brotherhood, the Brotherhood of Saturn. Saturn was the god of darkness, chaos, and destruction. He teaches you a lesson. He will take your life if you don't listen to him. So consequently, Saturn was very, very important in the ancient world. Thank you. <clears throat> Saturn's name, incidentally, in the old Phoenician ancient Canaanite religion, um, in the Middle East, the old 
Phoenician Canaanite worship of the planet Saturn was the most important god of all the ancient world was the planet Saturn and his symbol long before the Hebrews were ever in Cana the symbol in Cana for the planet Saturn was a six-pointed star today we call that today we call that star the star of, of David there was no star of David it's the star of Saturn all of the Jewish reference books, all the Encyclopedia Judica, all of, I go to the synagogue, uh, go up into um, Mulholland Drive, up to the Jewish University and spend three weeks there and look up Saturn. You'll find out that 98% of all Judaism is a worship of the planet Saturn. Better wake up and understand where this stuff comes from. Welcome to the machine, everyone. I am your host, Mario, here with my co-host, Jeff Rowe. Journey with us as we adventure into conspiracy theories and the unexplained. Hello, welcome back, everybody, and we want to thank you for joining us again. I know it's been a little bit. Uh, we've been trying to get back into the podcast lab almost here, and uh, I got Jeff Rowe here with me. Jeff Rowe, how are you doing today? Good. How is everybody out there in podcast land? Uh, let's hope again, once again, everybody is doing all right out there in podcast land. Uh, we do want to thank some of our listeners who did reach out to us, and, and forgive me if I'm missing anyone. Uh, I want to call, I want to recognize David, Lindsay, Chris, Ben, Chris, another Chris, Bill, and Richard, and Lex. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna read a little uh, a little message from one of our listeners, uh, more particularly Lex here from Down Under. We we love. Absolutely love our uh, listeners from Down Under, so thank you guys for reaching out, as well as everywhere else. I did have another listener reach out to us from Norway, which was really, really cool. You and I always talk about you know visiting Norway at some time, but uh, thank you so much to all of our listeners, every one of you guys, everybody involved with the, uh, the Discord channel and everything. Um, but before I get ahead of myself here, let me read off this, uh, this message from Lex. It says, thank you. I am grateful for those who ain't afraid to spread the truth and stand for what's right. It's people like you guys who restore my faith in humanity. I stumbled upon your podcasts and Apple podcasts and have enjoyed listening to every episode. I share a deep interest in each topic. You guys have covered the topics that stand out to me the most are save my children or save our children, excuse me, save our children, adrenochrome, the Illuminati censorship, Earth, the Mandela Effect, and I could go on and on. Have you guys looked into or made an episode about satanic ritual abuse? Well, Lex, we're about to give you and uh, deliver a little bit on that, uh, as well as everything else, as we typically do here on the machine. We like to tie everything together if we find strands that do tie in together, which Jeffro happens all the time. Uh, it's it's not even a coincidence anymore. It, it just pops up in 
it, it ties itself to something else or another subject matter that we talk about and all these things kind of intertwine. So that's where we're about to go and it, it's going to get dark. Yeah, it's almost unintentional with the twine interweaving and connecting everything on these uh, episodes here. This this specific episode, it's taking us a little bit of time to bring this out because the more and more we re- researched into the subject matter, <laughs> we kept finding more and more information. Uh, as long as, as well as with this Maxwell character, uh, we were doing research for the Knights Templar, and we came across one of his interviews. And at the very end of his interview, he mentions this secret society that we're about to get into. And you and I looked at each other side eyed, and we're like, "We have never, ever even heard of this group," which came to a surprise to both of us because this is subject matter we're we're kind of into, and for us to never even come across this name and this far into the game you and i were both like we've got to we've got to dive a little bit deeper into the subject matter and the stuff that we gleaned from this get your tinfoil hats on people this is going to be fun ride right so i mean there's going down a rabbit hole and then jumping head first into a rabbit hole into a, a vacuum of shit and that's kind of where we are with this thing. It it really is kind of like a, a rabbit hole vacuum of shit. Yeah, this what what we found was this is a culmination. This is a culmination that ties so many elements together, and it it doesn't even seem like a stretch to tie these things together. It's it's amazing. Yeah, think uh, think Dark Veil vale Four here is kind of what you're going to get uh, as uh, along with the the title, which is not going to be Dark Veil vale Four, but. Uh, the Brotherhood of Saturn, Saturn Fraternus. Saturn Fraternus. This so, is, this is the name that we heard from Mister Maxwell, and uh, we we were dumbfounded by it until we started looking into it. Um, so much research that you and I have done, and that's one of the things that Jordan Maxwell speaks on consistently, or has in his previous videos, was. Research, simply research, not not creating an idea or a theory. It's research, just going back and finding out where everything derives from, why we do the things that we do. And one of those things happens to, much more often than not, derive from darkness. And when we talk about darkness, we have to talk about uh, Saturn and the ring, you know, everything surrounding Saturn. So... So the worship of Saturn, and we're talking about Saturn, the planet, right? Right. So the worship of Saturn uh, goes, it can kind of go and be tied back to the law of one philosophy, which is the path of the left-hand service self to self-serve to get to creator, which would be the self, right? Okay. Uh, Path of right-hand service is to service others to get to a higher creator. Right? Stay with me here if you can. (laughs) And then there's repeaters who continue in a 3D path over and over again until path decision is made, which kind of goes hand in hand with uh, reincarnation in Hinduism. Right? Okay, yeah. So you've got your heaven, the path of the right, the path to righteousness. You've got your hell, the path of the left, to be self-centered, self-observed. Kind of like hell. Then you have the almost agnostic, well, I don't want to say agnostic, kind of agnostic, right? The 3D, we are just here to repeat, 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 which to me almost sounds like reincarnation. 
You know, you keep doing it until you can get it right. Or almost like in a zombified sort of right. life, you know, cycle that, you know, you hear some people talk about when they talk about, uh, Joe Dispenza talks about this whenever he talks about mapping the brain, how we do things without even thought, right? We get up, we brush our teeth, we go to work, we come home, watch TV, do the same thing. And even David Icke mentions this. I believe we have a clip later on in this episode that he kind of plays that out. So that 3D lifestyle that you speak of, it's almost like a mundane, zombified trance that we stay in, which allows us to continue to be complacent and controlled. Much like the song Mad World, if you're not familiar with that song, uh, Tears for Fears, I believe it was uh, covered later on by, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Jules something, he did it for the movie Donnie Darko, but uh, you know, starting the song out is, all around me are familiar faces, worn out places, you know, it's mundane every day, on and on, hammering out at the same thing over and over again, I mean, that's the definition of madness, right? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Right. Uh, So these paths, uh, they go back to origins of Indian tantric sets, right? The uh, left-hand path is about reversal and reversion, uh, antinomianism, which is Greek for against the law, meaning cosmic law. So this is working against cosmic law, right? So within this uh, left-hand law, Satan wants followers to follow seven deadly sins, right? Like a darker entity wants everybody to follow the seven deadly sins. Like that's where it goes down to, to liberate those from the divine cosmic bondage is what, you know, the the darkness calls it, right? So it's similar to what they talk about Gnosticism with the Demiurge. The WRs being in control of the three dim- three dimensional world and wanting you to worship just the dummy urge or the the satanic version, right? And this also seems to kind of go along the lines of what we were talking prior to the podcast. It seems like the dummy urge or the Satan side of this wants us to live off of maybe the seven chakras rather than the nine chakras, which some you mean the six chakras or the six chakras, right? Uh, and there's also a version of the chakras being nine chakras. Right. It's interesting that they want us to live off of the sixth chakra, though. Yes. Is it not? I mean, there's so many, uh, so many, so much symbolism tying to, you know, just wanting to live off of the sixth chakra, and we'll get further into that. Um, which also brings the, uh, I'm sure you've heard of this quote: "Do what thou wilt." Right. Okay. I've to heard be it. self-centered, to be self-indulged. It's all about you. Right. Okay, That's yeah. what they want. That's what the, the this ideology comes from, right? Uh, so the Brotherhood of Saturn dates back to 1926 or 1928, right around that era, right? And it was founded by uh, it was founded in German Germany, Berlin, Germany, uh, by Eugene Grosch. Germany, huh? Interesting. How many different secret societies have we found out start off in Germany? The Illuminati. Nice Templar, or not the Nice Templar, but uh, Freemasons. Freemasons, yeah, thank yeah. you. The Freemasons seems like all they of them. seem to start, yeah. Um, 
there's a lot of things to start off in Germany, isn't there? There is. And, you know, getting, getting into that, uh, much like the Freemasons, the Brotherhood of Saturn or the Fraternity of Saturn, they also had lodges. And one of the leaders of one of the lodges was Heinrich Trunker, who organized a conference known as the Leida Conference in Leida, Germany, where he invited English magician Aleister Crowley. You may have heard of Aleister Crowley, right? Or right. maybe you were told about Aleister Crowley through the Prince of Darkness, Ozzy Osbourne. Right. <laughs> who has a song, Mr. Crowley. That's who it's about. Uh, very, very interesting that some of these uh, music- musicians who look to influence and omit different frequencies to their listeners about dark entities. It's a little curious. Yeah, that is. So uh, Mr. Crowley wanted everyone to submit to his lodge eventually, and uh, where he created the lodge of uh, Argentini Argentinium Estrum or AA the Silver Star right I'm following follow he also overtook another international order known as the Order Templi Orient Orientis or the OTO he also initiated another occult society as the Golden Dawn now, when I think of the Golden Dawn, I think of the old, uh, you know, little market, grocery store, whatever. But it's uh, it kind of rings a bell, Golden Dawn, right? With the dark sun. Mm, okay. So in 1904, so this is before any of that. So 1904, Crowley channeled a book from a Praetor human entity that called itself Iwas. The book is called the Book of the Law, following the Lima, which means true will. Crowley was denied the image of world savior by Trunker, who basically, Crowley goes into this lodge and decides that he wants to be known as this this savior and he's going to give everybody the right way, the right path to the left, self-centered, you know, being self-centered and do what thou will, you are your God, right? There's no higher power. It is you, right? So this is where the the indoctrination starts to form. So after this was done between Crowley and Trunker, right? Crowley ends up, uh, ends up taking over this lodge. And Trunker's voted out. More and more people start to practice these dark arts. And we're talking about a magician here, right? who writes a book of the dark arts, who then convinces everybody to follow the methods of Philema. Do what that will is the whole of the law. Love under will. Compassionless love. So think about that. Compassionless love. What is that? That's just lust. Right. So now here we got a figure who's in this dark order, practicing all these dark things, preaching all these dark imageries, pushing on this thought of do it that will, lust, everything, everything under the dark sun, right? I mean, we're talking deep, dark stuff here, but it doesn't end there. 
Because throughout history from this time, at least from this time, we start to see these different practices in Hollywood over and over and over again. We start to hear different people uh, speaking of Crowley. We start to see these different images from other secret societies like the Illuminati. One has to almost think if, or even wonder, if some of these secret societies didn't derive from this specific deep, deep secret society. Yeah, well, actually, it's more like a lot of these secret societies culminated into this modern version of our secret society. It seems like there's a lot of connections from the Knights Templar, the Masons, uh, even you see elements of the Skull and Bones, and all these societies sort of... It's like the Brothers of Saturn become the epoch, become the result of all these other societies. It's the It becomes the master, right? It, it collects all these different ideologies. It collects all this knowledge, all this secret knowledge that all these secret societies have accumulated over the time of human history. Right. And it now becomes this new magical order. Right. And, you know, you were speaking on Crowley. Basically, there was a divide and Crowley basically, you know, left these ideologies of the Thelema ideology within the Brothers of Saturn and he took it to the Western Western world, you know, to the United States, like you said, kind of brings this into the Hollywood and some of these darker arts and the European sect of the Brothers of Saturn sort of separate themselves and they kind of become the, the inner circle, the dark inner circle of the European nations. Yeah, so, and I completely agree with that. I completely agree with everything you just said with them gathering all this knowledge and it. it's it's almost like there's a tune though, right? It's almost like there's a frequency that's being picked up. This art, this black art, this black magic art that they're tapping into is uh, is being projected in they're receiving it, right? It's a practice. And we're going to get into the uh, the more detailed, you know, deep Hollywood type of stuff, but I, I think it's a good idea if we kind of go back and ask, okay, well, why? Why Saturn? What are, what are some of the connections with Saturn? Right. right. So, in what you're speaking of here, this is where we started seeing a lot of connections with our previous podcast. You're, it's almost like this is where things like cymatics come into play. Mm. Right? You know, and, and Crowley, going all the way back to some of the Dark Veil episodes, you know, this is almost the beginning of some of the darker teachings with maybe Adrenochrome and some of the pedophilia right um this even goes to mk ultra cia operative michael aquino who if people listen to the dark veil episode was the cia officer that identified as a satanist was trained by alistair crawley and he talked about wanting to control the masses through signals on television and radio and he, he referenced a lot of the MK, mk ultra studies that happened in the 60s and 70s. And some of the other things he's known for, he was also trained by Anton LaVey, who's a famous uh, Satanist that set up shop out there in Hollywood, who very well had connections with Crowley as well. Uh, LaVey started the Church of Satan. So you have all these, <laughs> you have all these connections with this dark Hollywood. And all these connections that we came across without even trying, 
when we go back and we add all these threads to all these different podcasts. So, and, and again, Anton, Anton, Anton LaVey, right? Right. So Anton LaVey, uh, when, you, when you say that name, kind of rings a bell to me because I do believe there was an Eagles album called Hotel California. I don't know if you've ever heard that song. It's a very, very dark song. Uh, good song, you know. I, I, I like music, uh, that, but there's a deeper, darker meaning there. And in the original 33 album, uh, there's a picture of everybody in this uh, hotel, right? Everybody's downstairs and everything, and up top on the balcony, looking down on everyone, is Anton LaVey. And the album was named 33. No, I don't know if the album was named 33. It was it was named Hotel California. The okay. the album was a 33. Which oddly, there you go again. So the uh, old vinyl, right? You had 45s, which were like single. Oh, okay. And then you have the whole album, which is. 33 oh wow connections in real time ladies and gentlemen and 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 going back to uh michael aquino he was also a teacher of uh what's her name abramovich abramovich yeah he was uh he he started the the church of set which i guess was a church uh satanic church in the washington dc area which he he started and was the master of i guess or whatever his title was a follower of crawley follower of crawley and anton levey so (laughs) which produces abramovich who does the spirit cooking which we talked about in the dark veil episodes we're going to get further into that and yes we're going to touch base a little more on adrenochrome and all that other fun stuff in this episode but jeffro i i like to dig back as far as possible to find out like why where do these things come from why do we think this way um why the planet saturn right let's let's go back and and, you know they're they're worshiping this planet this astrological planet right which there's so many so many weird things going on with saturn right and i i remember one of our one of our listeners who is a follower on our discord which uh, by the way, if you're listening to this episode and you think, oh, I love talking about this stuff, you know, I want to communicate with people like me, we have many, many people, many of our listeners on uh, Discord, and we thank every one of them. They've been wonderful, um, just respectful and polite to everybody. And uh, one of them reached out to us and said, you know, I, it was a while ago, she said, it was Tree. Her name is Tree on there. She says, there, there's something eerie about the Saturn frequency when we, when you play that uh, remember we had an episode where we played the different frequency sounds coming from each of the planets and there was something very very eerie about that and I think I'm going to find that and I'm going to insert that clip here So there you have the frequency from Saturn, which, I mean, that's disturb. That's a s- disturbing sound. It's a little, it's, it's very, very eerie. So I agree with Tree here. It is, you know, I, it, I just don't get a nice feeling from it. You know what I mean? When I'm, when I'm listening to it, it, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. It's very disturbing to me. Uh, but anyway, 
you have some information about the planet Saturn as well. Let's start with the pool. Right. Well, yeah. And this, what's interesting is we're getting into more of the frequency sort of debate or not debate, but side of this connecting that we talked about going all the way back to the beginning. Which it, ties into all of our different, or all of our previous episodes where we talk about frequency and how it pertains to us because we are frequency. Right. Exactly. We're frequency, right? We're, it, it, this is so fascinating to me. And, you know, the, the, the fact that you gave me some information just recently about vinyl albums being 33, you know, we're sitting here thinking, you know, looking at each other saying, this is amazing because that's what, that's a frequency, you know, modality. Yeah. And why 33? It's not, you know, like you said, it's not 33 inches. No. So all this stuff. Yeah, Jeff. So when we were talking about the vinyl and the 33 just a moment ago, uh, so the 33 actually means 33 RPM, right? So that's the uh, the speed, I guess, of your turntable. If you're listening to an old vinyl, it would be 33. And now there are singles that are 45 or the less popular 78. Which what I find interesting about the 78 is the Schumann resonance, the Earth's frequency is 7.83 hertz. So you have that that reference of 78. All these numbers seem to mean something. Yeah. And they all go hand in hand with these different frequencies, right? And and this, this, again, this brotherhood of Saturn is tapping into this dark frequency that is supposed to be emitted from Saturn. Yeah. The planet Saturn. Right. And to get some credit to, again, one of our Discord listeners and uh, participants, I wasn't aware of this specific connection, but Mike from Canada, who is is his tag on Discord, he shared a video, which I try to go back and find, and is no longer available. But we were able to find some clips from it. How often does that happen, right? Constantly, constantly. So for those who are on Discord, if you get a chance to, to view something, go ahead and you know, view it as soon as you can, because there's no guarantee stuff like this is out there. This happens all the time to the videos you send me. Right. You know, personally, back and forth. If I don't watch the videos right away, a lot of times they're discontinued. So someone out there is trying to keep this stuff away from us. And it happens, you know, it happens so often. You know, you hear people say, oh, I'll Google it. Well, good luck with that shit, because you're not going to find it on Google. They don't want you to know about this stuff. Right? Google is one of those proponents that just, you know, their their idea of free information is whatever they want it to be. You know, they, they're they just like social media. They deem anything misinformation if it doesn't fit their agenda. Now, I have uh, played around with some other um, search engines to our Discord followers who also mentioned Brave, which it is a nice search engine. Um, but DuckDuckGo, I'm still finding things on DuckDuckGo that I can't find on Brave nor Google, which is very odd to me. So some of the things that I look for and I I try to do, you know, like a search on, I'll find out I get more hits on DuckDuckGo, whether it be uh, secret societies or um, Adrenochrome or the Clintons or anything like that. It almost seems like these other search engines have these filters in play. Uh, DuckDuckGo, while they seem to be, you know, 
slowly getting on board with the other search engines. I don't think they've quite gotten to that point yet. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to continue to use what works. Right, yeah. The DuckDuckGo CEO actually came out, and he was more against the Ukrainian war and, or, or against misinformation, quote-unquote misinformation, against the Ukrainian war. Right now, it seems as though that's more the political line that they're right. sort of filtering out. They really haven't gotten down to some of the other elements yet. So hopefully it stays... Well, I mean, you could talk about that and you could say, what's misinformation of the Ukrainian war? Which way are you going to go with this? Right. Because like you and I have, you know, we've uncovered in the previous episodes uh, about the Ukrainian war with the Ossoff Battalion group and the neo-Nazis, where as Google will knock all of that down and Facebook, you're allowed to, those are the good Nazis, right? We, we've talked about this, but, uh, you know, what, 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 it all depends on where you stand with "quote unquote" misinformation. Is misinformation telling somebody they can't use the information and painting your picture of the correct information, or are we talking about actual factual information? Yeah, and I'm not sure of the exact acronym. I think it's the ADL, the American Defamation League. Uh, I guess it's a primarily, uh, it's a it's a group that's supposed to help people from being defamed in, you know, in the public. Uh, I think right now it's, it's led by uh, somebody that's a, a Jewish person, which is important because they're the ones that came out. I saw this information on Jimmy Dore where he came out and they were for the Nazis. They were saying, hey, listen, yeah, these, these, these aren't the, they're not Nazi Nazis. No. So, yeah. And, and it's interesting, this connection again. Going back to Saturn, the Nazis. They're the warm, cuddly Nazis. The warm, cuddly Nazis, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Show, show me, yeah, there's no such thing as a warm, cuddly, cuddly Nazi. This is, all, this is all darkness. But going back to, like you were saying, Saturn, we were talking about uh, you know, the pole. We were talking right. about the pole. Yeah, this is, this is one of the really cool things that I found several years back that was an oddity to me. Because I like, you know, referencing astrology and numerology and things like that. And the North Pole, for those who don't know, which those on the Discord probably know because I've, I've posted it several times. But the North Pole of Saturn has this storm, this, this constant storm that is in the shape of a hexagon with sharp edges and everything. Like an actual hexagon, a six-sided shape. Six-sided, storm. so that means that has six points to it. It's got six points to it. Hmm. And what's interesting about this shape, in two-dimensional form, if you draw a hexagon, it's actually what a cube would look like in two-dimensional form. Hopefully I'm describing that correctly, but if you take a cube right, in three-dimensional form, you flatten it on a flat surface, it looks like a hexagon. Yeah. So Saturn itself is referenced a lot as a cube or a square. Right. And and like the uh, video that we played before we started the, the podcast here, Jordan Maxwell, he makes the reference of the square and the rings following around the square. So it's all, I mean, there is no other planet, to my knowledge anyway, especially within our solar system that we know of that has this attribute to it. 
Well, no, and what's interesting is the South Pole, and I think we're gonna we're gonna do something a little bit different with this podcast. We're gonna kind of do a follow up. We're gonna play a couple parts of the video. Uh, this is what I was referencing the video from Mike uh, from Canada. He shared this video, and it seems like this video we were able to find the longer format of it. And there's so many different elements that this David Ike gentleman lays out that kind of culminates all these different secret societies. And what's super interesting to me is it, it all adds up to the same thing. Whenever we were talking about the detective board, we got all these strings connecting to all these different places. They seem, you know, arbitrary. They just, they don't, they seem like it's just making a big spider web. Right. A big nest. But, and it doesn't seem like it makes sense. If you take a few steps back, you see a pattern. And the pattern becomes blatantly obvious. And another reason why we want to bring this information to you guys is it's not like we're basing all this information off of one person or one researcher, right? This is David Icke, you know, Jordan Maxwell, right? You got other people coming out with this information, like uh, you see this David or the Michael Aquino coming out with all this different information. That he was talking about freely on shows like the Donahue Show back in the eighties. Yeah, you know, there's no hiding this. It's almost like whenever you go back to the QAnon videos, one of the things that they said about the QAnon and outing the Satanists or the people who believe in this stuff is one of their creeds is you have to do this in plain sight, under the guides of just you have to do everything in plain sight. You got to be doing these evil, almost cult-like Satanist rituals. Rituals, right? right? You got to do these rituals, but you got to do them in plain sight. You can't hide it. You got to you got to be out with it. And what they do is you, you find these elites, you find these politicians, you find these people, these cult worshipers. It's, it's so interesting how they tell you exactly what they're doing. You know? Yeah. This goes back to the things like with Disney. They don't hide the fact that no, they they do some of this stuff. It's so staggering to the point where you know nobody really wants to believe these types of because it's so it's so horrific. It really is everything that they're doing, and they're telling you they're doing it, right? They, it's 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 not information that they're openly volunteering, but no. they're not hiding it. Right? They're not hiding it. It's almost as if they want to get the message out to desensitize you to the fact that it could even be real. Right, and you mentioned I'm going to go off on on a a little bit of a not tangent, but I'm going to go off the rails here a little bit. So you mentioned Disney, right? And you and I have been down that road with Disney. Disney, Disney's in trouble right now. Their shareholders are screaming at them right now because uh, one of the animated head figures had openly admitted uh, in a video that was released about uh, indoctrination. Through their animate, through their animation of you know, and who watches their animation movies? You know, it's children, right? <clears throat> so she openly admits about throwing, you know, purposely implementing gay characters and transgender characters and and, and things like that to, to kids. Well, this became a problem when Governor DeSantis in Florida decided he was going to implement a bill, which the left are calling it a "Don't Say Gay" bill, which does not say that in the bill whatsoever. If do your research, read the bill, 
nowhere in this bill does it say don't say gay. Okay, but we've reached a a point in life right now, Jeff Rowe, where we have to implement a bill to our educators to to tell them, listen, you can't talk to children K through third grade. That's what the bill says. Kindergarten through third grade. You are not allowed to talk to children about sexuality. We have to implement a bill that before that was just common knowledge. Before, nobody wanted to talk to kids about sex whatsoever because it was considered pedophilia. But now we need a bill telling teachers not to do that, which is crazy. It's bananas. And all of a sudden, Disney says, you know, which they're kind of, they're like the Vatican at this point in Florida, right? Well, it's a California-run organization. And I believe I saw a video where DeSantis says... You're not going to have Californian CEOs tell Floridians how what about their legislation, right? And and the other thing that I found was crazy that I never even knew. As much conspiracy stuff I get into, apparently there was some sort of doctrine or some sort of legislation that allowed Disney and the premises of Disney their on their property to be its own sort of government within the state lines of Florida, like they weren't like anything that happened on the Disney property was governed by Disney. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, DeSantis is fighting right now. It's one of the things that he's, you know, he's fighting. I'd recently, I, I found myself engaged in an argument with somebody not too long ago over this. And, uh, you know, I had to come to a realization, but I went online and, um, you know, they were talking about the Disney Plus channel getting their first R-rated movie soon. As to which I made the comment, what is it going to be? The indoctrination of children don't say gay, right? I'm a button pusher. That's what I do. I say stupid shit sometimes to get people, you know, whatever, you know. You're the opinion champion. I'm, because it, to me, if you're allowed to speak, so am I, right? Absolutely. So this person says, oh, but if, you know, teachers were speaking to children about heterosexuality, you'd be okay with that. Okay, you automatically went on the defensive and took the other route. No, I'm not okay with that. No, I'm not okay with children kindergarten through third grade. I'm not okay with children kindergarten through eighth grade being taught about sexuality or being talked about with their, you know, sexual orientations or whatever that you know i know eighth grade eighth grade sounds a little further but here's my opinion on that i'm gonna start with quick caveat to that not only was it talking about sex to these kids but they were being encouraged not to tell their parents that the teacher was talking to them about it as well as they were being encouraged that they were confused and not knowing of their own sexual orientation so if mommy and daddy were heterosexual they didn't know. They weren't sure. You're purposely indoctrinating children and confusing them. At that age, they should not be thinking about sex whatsoever. To me, we this is what happens when you let government raise your children. Okay, This is what happens when you let the, the darkness of this country or any other country raise your children. They get indoctrinated. They get sexualized. This is what's happening. To me, if you want to talk to your children about sexual orientation, and I think you should, I think it should be up to the parents, not the schools. Leave the hell out of the schools. That's my opinion. Okay? If you're going to and you're going to implement sexual education at some degree, it should start at high school. 
And if it needs to be taught before that, that's up to the parents. Well, that's right around the time of puberty, right? That's when right. that's when something like that could be a subject matter that would be approached because that's the time, you know, a child might come up with, you know, confusing thoughts and ideas. We need- I mean, if, if you're not even near the stage of puberty, why even, which is, which brings me to another point real quick. That's just uh, popped in my mind. It is interesting about all the chemicals and everything that's being added to to foods and our drinking water and our drinking supply and everything. There is something that we've noticed, you know, you and I were both in our forties. You just are a new member of the 40 year old club. Uh, It's interesting. If you people look back, it seems puberty is, is coming earlier and earlier and our teens and our children and there's some speculation and some wonders as to how that has been going on you know some people want to say it's it's natural evolution or whatever but there's there's hormonal man it's it's hormonal imbalance in the foods exactly and and maybe some people might question and ask why is something like that being allowed why 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 do why do they think that Something like a third grader needs to be sexualized. Well, because they're closer and closer to puberty, right? Exactly. Yeah. It, Sorry, that was that. I that no. I, heard it. I, I just that came to my mind, and I wanted to bring that up. No, you're absolutely right. So, I, and again, I found myself engaged in this, uh, you know, back and forth, right? So this guy immediately starts bashing me, right? He's from Colorado. Go figure. From Colorado, he start going back and forth and everything. And he tried killing the conversation with telling me I'm a Trumpy. Why people constantly revert to Trump? I, they, without Trump, the far left just doesn't fucking exist. That's okay? a deranged system. It is deranged syndrome that they're talking about. The Trump deranged syndrome. Definitely. As to which I rebuttaled with, oh, okay, well, you're a pedophile. Did not go over too well, right? Back and forth and back and forth. And finally, something just clicked in my head. You know, this was my comment. I can end this right now. I'll delete the comment. I don't need this. Fuck this. So I did. And I just stopped it right there. At this point, I understood that there was nothing more that I could do to try to talk sense into this person, this individual, or another one I was talking to. Right? Because I got, you get into a Disney forum, you get, hate bashed right okay oh so this was a because disney forum it was a disney it would definitely uh, yeah i went deep inside and pushed the button right there was nothing i could do which is okay that's fine but you know what since DeSantis put this bill and implemented this bill which is a fantastic bill why do you even need this bill is horrible i remember back in the day we needed permission slips fifth sixth grade to go to uh, sexual education or learn about what a penis was not whether or not we should have one or do we think that we attach to it just to see what it was and how the reproductive system worked right we needed permission slips these idiotic jackass democratically push and i say democratically push because they're the ones who fund the federal education system are teaching your children if your kids go to a public school Pay attention to what they're learning because their teachers are telling them and teaching them about sex, about gay sex. The problem here with DeSantis and his bill, which was also adopted by Alabama, Alabama just pushed, you know, adopted this bill, 
And I actually believe Ohio's getting ready to Ohio do is Ohio is doing the same thing. Yes. Thank God. It should, like I said, in my opinion, it should go way beyond third grade. You've got Disney in Florida. Disney World, which I've been many times. And I, you know what? Before all this started happening, i got to be honest with everybody. My family and I planned a trip to Disney World in November, this coming November. And I know what everybody's probably thinking. Why would you do that? Why would you support these people? My kids, my youngest is 17 years old. She's going to be 18. And there's not a damn thing that I don't talk about with my children that I don't feel they need to know and be aware of. To me, the best you could do with your children is educate them. Educate them yourself. Don't depend on the school system to do it because who knows what the hell they're going to come out with. Educate your your children. Talk to your children. So I talked to my children about this. My, my older two children, they have not gone. So we were planning a family vacation uh, to do something like this in November, which we still are. You know, So I'm a little bit of a hypocrite here. But I'll say this again. In an organization like Disney, if you think that all of them are like that, you're sadly mistaken. There are people picketing and speaking out about how they want this bill about how they want to stop the sexualization of children. They're okay with this and they were, they're employees of Disney. So where you hear a lot of the indoctrination coming from, you know, like you were saying, California and the, the anime, the head, one of the head animators of California, right. Who's just implementing all these different sexuality characters and into their uh, animation. That's one. There are many other, it's a big organization. Do I think that they need to be taught a lesson? Do I think they need to be shown that you know the, the public is not going to have this? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. If that means canceling your Disney Plus subscription, do it. Will I be going back after this? No. Uh, this is your swan song? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I'm too far. And I, I, anybody who has been to Disney understands and knows how expensive it is and how extensive it is to plan a trip, just a trip. There's a lot of uh, extensive planning that goes hand in hand with that. And I'm just too far into it now. Like I said, my older two haven't gone yet. So we're going to go. I'm not going to be looking for trouble, but I hope I don't get kicked out. Uh, I'm very verbal about my beliefs. So we'll see what happens. Right. I, I will definitely be making noise of something like that. November comes around, we'll keep our eye to the news. Right. Well, that's assuming, you know, they don't catch any more pedophiles coming out of Disney, which recently happened. Some child traffickers. I don't know if you've seen that topic. I, I did post it on our uh, Facebook page. They, yeah, they, they, they took in a bunch of child traffickers out of Disney. So something to think about. I mean, you want to capture children? Well, better place. Uh, but I, I feel like we've gone down this Disney <laughs> rabbit hole a little further than we needed to. Well, no, it, what it is, is it's just a, a speaking on the fact of indoctrination, right? We talk about symbolism all the time, and that's what we're getting ready to get into when we talk about Saturn here is symbolism. You know, we, we talked about this going all the way back to the Confederate flag, right? Symbols either matter or they don't, right? Right. There's no gray area. You can't say, you know... 
this symbol means this and then turn around and be like whenever a symbol is pointed out to you you say oh well that's not what it really means because right. you know well that's that's just ridiculous well and, no you just told me over here that this confederate flag ha- held all this you know racial oppression and, and meaning but then you turn around and say oh well something like you know mickey mouse and and the black ears and don't have any symbolism you know almost you know and if symbols don't matter why have them right so the symbols only matter to some people when it's convenient for them. So again, this just you know with the Disney uh, like we, people we, who follow politics, people <laughs> that follow politics, symbolism matters. And we're going to get into that right here. Yeah, and real quick uh, before we get into the symbolism, Jeffro, I don't know if you remember this. I I, I always find like little things in uh, in Disney movies and in you know videos and things and uh one of the things that uh, i was flipping through i don't know if it was tiktok or whatever it was yeah i'm I'm, i I found a video that jim brewer had uh brought to the attention of pinocchio right uh where they're in this pub and the little thing you know the evil there well the villain fox guy was talking to this uh heavy set white gentleman and he's talking about uh an island where they take little boys and i'm going to go ahead and play this clipper here No, sir. Who's 
in any good prospects you find, bring him to me. Yes, Chief. I'll pay you well. I got plenty of gold. Yes. So there you go, Jeffro. There's a, it's a little clip from Pinocchio. A uh, little, little creepy, right? They're going to take these little bad boys to Pleasure Island. And they'll never come back. And they'll never come back. And they ask about the law. And they say, the law doesn't matter. And why does the law not matter? Because Disney is its own governing body within the grounds of the property of Disney. Matter of fact, is there not even an island that is off limits to visitors there is there was uh where they had a i believe it was a water park or something that was there was it not called pleasure island was it called pleasure island <laughs> i don't know yeah maybe it is now uh but while you're looking that up um i do know and this may blow your mind a little bit that uh the disney cruise because they have many different disney cruise lines one of them used to charge $75 to uh, visit an island to go snorkeling and, and whatnot. That island, Jeff Rowe, that island's called Little St. James. What? Yeah. Disney Cruise charged kids $75 to visit Epstein's pedophile island. Yeah. Despite of the history. Despite of everything. Now, I know it's just an island, but why? This is after he was convicted as a pedophile. The island is called Discovery Island. Okay. Is that much better? So so give yourself some time to process all of that. I, you know, and I don't know if they're still visiting the island or not. I know there's evidence that they have, whether it's still continuing or not. I don't know. I'd have to do a little more research to find that out. Or maybe you can, just to figure it out. Uh, I know one thing's for certain. You know, there's some shady, shady things going on with Disney, without a doubt. And they need to know where everybody, where the population stands. So... We were talking about symbolism. I know it's, it's <laughs> after talking about all these things with Disney and everything and how they're, you know, grooming your children. It, it's pertinent, though, very, to very the darkness pertinent. of all these secret societies and what's going on. Especially the uh, fraternitists of Saturn. That's what they're practicing, all these dark things. We're talking about uh, sexualization, uh, lust, pedophilia, all this darkness, the, uh, the, the, the different the different ways that they operate and do these satanic rituals and torturing and adrenochroming, which we know is a thing. We've talked about this many times. If you don't know, go back and listen to some of the episodes. It is definitely, it's not fabricated. It is a real thing. And what else is a real thing is this information that we're going to finally pay off here. The Saturn information. This is some more Saturn information that we came across. And uh, we're going to, do something a little bit different. We're going to play some clips and then we're going to react to the clips in an effort to go ahead and try to digest all this information because this is a lot of information here. So this is a video from David Icke and a London talk that he had and this lays everything out very nicely. Saturn is the key in so many ways to what is happening with all its moons. Um, just a reminder, Saturn... 
um, may appear to be what it is in the holographic world, that, but actually, again, it's an information field. It is a consciousness. Um, everything is aware. Everything has a consciousness. So these um, planets and suns, they have consciousness. They have awareness. They are entities in their own right. And interestingly, this is an accepted ancient symbol of the sun. <clears throat> and people think, understandably, that it's the symbol of the sun that we know today. But is that symbol more likely to be the sun we know today or the sun we once knew? Saturn. Saturn is the key to understanding uh, so much. Uh, it was known as the old sun. It is known in a cult as the old sun, the dark sun and the dark lord, the lord of the rings. And the massive penny drop for me. Whoa, the kaleidoscope moved when I started to realize that at least so many, if not all, the ancient sun gods were not gods of the sun we know today, but of the Saturn sun that was focused on before because it was in a different position. Saturn has long been symbolized as an eye. There's the eye in Freemasonry. There's the eye of Sauron in the Lord of the Rings, the reptilian eye, the symbol of the negative force. And what uh, happened in the m massive and brilliant work of da uh, David Talbot in the Saturn myth is that at some point there was an enormous ejection of debris in an explosion out of Saturn. And it formed like a, a luminous uh, crescent because it, it reflected light at certain points of the, of the day. And this, as the Earth moved on its axis, when um, viewed from the Earth, this appeared to move around Saturn. And at different points, there were different symbolism for different points. But this was the one that really was the focus of Saturn symbolism because this was when that luminous crescent was at its most luminous during the day. And so you find this symbol over and over in the ancient world. And this is a common recurring theme of Saturn. And this, the crescent symbolically and the disk of the Saturn sun, the dwarf star. And so from this came the horned god, the horned goddess. There is Madonna in her Super Bowl performance at halftime, which was so Saturn in its symbolism, it was laughable, including the fiery eye. And in the movie version of The Lord of the Rings, you had the crescent holding the eye of Sauron. In um, Arabia, or you look at that as the, um, the symbol of, of, of Islam, the star, the sun, and the crescent. And the uh, Arabian god uh, Sin was symbolized as a crescent. Here you go. And I would suggest from David Talbot's point of view, and I think he's right, that this represents the crescent of Saturn. This is a, the guy who started a satanic uh, Saturn uh, uh, organization or secret society out of uh, Germany called the Brotherhood of Saturn. And there's that 
uh, symbol of the sun look with a dot. That's Saturn, not the sun that we have today, and the horned god. Um, Molech, who is symbolized at Bohemian Grove as the owl, is also symbolized as the bull. And there's the horns with Saturn in the middle. And so you have the bull gods of Mesopotamia. And the, the winged goddesses in that uh, state, this was often symbolized as the goddess with her uh, holding the god, her arms around the god or her wings around the god. Um, and there is another uh, version of that with the, the, uh, the god Saturn and the, the crescent. And there it is on the great seal of the United States, exactly the same symbolism. There it is in the Air Force Special Operations Command. There it is in the symbol of the House of Windsor. There it is in the United Nations with the target on the world, um, very appropriately. There it is in the eagle of, the, of Rome. Here it is in Freemasonry. Um, the flying disc of Egypt and other places is Saturn. And thus you have the Rosicrucian order, which connects into this network, uh, using that flying disc uh, symbolism. And so many of these logos carry the same uh, symbolism. And in her Super Bowl performance, Madonna had the flying disc um, of Saturn. This is another ancient Saturn symbol because at some points, apparently it seemed to give off four very distinct lights which became known as the four corners or the four rivers or the four ways and so you find it because of this bloodlines connecting into all these institutions you find it in the roman church you find it on the mace in the houses of parliament you find it on the crown you found it in the um, celtic cross and you find it in the, one of the major secret societies in the network the house of malta it's known as the maltese cross it was also symbolized this uh Saturn symbol and crescent as the uh, flying god in, in his flying boat. This is Horus in his heavenly boat. Um, this is why it's used in uh, the boats used in Freemasonry. This is a Freemasonic building on the Isle of Wight, funnily enough. And that is massive. I'm not saying Annie Lennox knew it was, just let's do this, it'd be a good idea. But that was massively Saturn symbolism when you watched it play out. Then you've got this um, symbol of the, the horned god again. Saturn, Satan, as it also became known, uh, which is you find with so many politicians. And Pat Robertson, this so-called Christian evangelist. Yeah, okay. Um, and talking of horns and uh, horned gods, um, in astrology, Saturn is connected to Capricorn. And so one of the Saturn symbols is the goat. This again is the great... Uh, Freemasonic historian Manly P. Hall, who said Pan, the goat god, was a composite creature, the upper part, with the exception of his horns, um, being human, and the lower part, in the form of a goat, the god himself is a symbol of Saturn, because this planet is enthroned in Capricorn, whose emblem is a goat. That is what that is. Bapomet, worshipped by Satanists. It's a symbol of Saturn. And I'm going somewhere with this, because I'm going why they're focused on Saturn. So you have Bapomet, you have Beyonce, the wife of Jay-Z with this big Bapomet ring, which is performing. You have Bapomet dressed Lady Gaga, Bapomet dressed uh, Madonna, and you have uh, Baroness Philippine de Rothschild from the, the wineries in France uh, with a massive Bapomet 
um, bro uh, or um, necklace. And this is from the, the front cover of the Saturn myth with the symbolism described of these lights that went off from Saturn at certain points with the four main ones there. And there it is symbolized on one of these ancient tablets. And in St. Peter's Square, that is a mirror of the way that Saturn symbol uh, looks. And there it is on the thing that he has his biscuit in. Um, there, when he's doing his stuff. Now, this is inside the Mother Lodge of Freemasonry in Great Queen Street. Great Queen was the name of the Babylonian goddess in London. Because, this will become uh, significant in part three, um, this crescent holding the sphere also became symbolized as twin pillars. And so you have Saturn, there's the crescent, being held up by the twin pillars. This is in the, one of the Freemasonic uh, centers of the world in London. Numerologically, digitally, Saturn is number eight, and uh, this has uh, led to symbolism of Saturn in terms of the spider. Thus you have, in Madonna's uh, Super Bowl performance, the winged disc uh, symbolized with a spider in the center. Now this is fascinating. This is called the magic square of Saturn. And um, it's also, not by coincidence, the magic square of Freemasonry. And it's magic because of this reason. If you go that way, that way, that way, that way, or that way, or that way, all the numbers in, in, in the three blocks in line add up to 15. And in numerology, uh, you keep adding uh, numbers um, until they become a single number. And so 15, in numerologically, uh, term, numerological terms, is 6. So 666, 666 in all directions. And um, the black and white squares, for reasons I'll, I'll have to go into in detail in a book, because, uh, you know, there's so much to get through today, also relates to Saturn. And so you have them in Freemasonic temples, black and white squares, and you have them in the major cathedrals, like Westminster Abbey. And so, Jeffro, just hearing that clip, which is a small clip of uh, the David Icke video that you and I were talking about and referencing here, um, the the symbolism as you had said either it matters or it doesn't right and if it doesn't matter why use it and there's symbolism everywhere with this everywhere everywhere he, i mean he even mentioned he even mentioned moloch the owl the owl god right at uh bohemian grove which the crazy conspiracy theorist alex jones that everybody continuously continues to mock had brought this to surface the the Bohemian Grove video that everybody thought was a bunch of bullshit turned out not to be bullshit. And this is why whenever somebody speaks of his name, it's, you know, that, that, that's how he got his ground. Right. But the connections don't stop there. He no. talks about the bull, right? Bull mm -hmm. being symbolized by Saturn. What did we talk about in the previous episode? We talked about the Taurus, Right. We talked about the stars lining up in Taurus, and we talked about how a lot of the bull gods from Mesopotamia found their way into early Christianity. And we talked about Merovic, right? The the Merovic dynasty, and and the bull god and the serpent, the connection with the bull god and the the water serpent. Okay, so you have 
the symbolism there in Saturn, right? You also have the Freemasons all throughout these different temples in England. And you have, which we're going to crescendo up into later on, this the symbol of Saturn at the zenith or at the peak of these twin pillars. Right. So you have this imagery all throughout. Well, it even makes uh, comparisons to Lord of the Rings. Right. Uh, you know, like the movie The Lord of the Rings. What is the Lord of the Rings? The Dark Lord. The Dark Lord of the Rings. That being Sauron. So what is Sauron? Sauron is an all-seeing eye on the top of a pillar. What was the second movie called? Do you remember what the second movie no, of Lord of the Rings was called? The Two Towers. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. What a connection. Wow. So there, there are so many, so many things there with the comparison between pop culture and everything. And he even made the, uh, the, uh, the different, he pointed out the different symbolisms in Madonna's Super Bowl halftime show. Remember, I was telling you about that exactly. previously. Right. And the symbolism, if anybody can, you know, go on YouTube or whatever, I'm sure you can watch Madonna's YouTube halftime show. They want everybody to see it. Why not? Because like you were saying, they don't hide it. They're not going to tell you what it's about. Well, and this is the Super Bowl halftime symbolism that goes even to Katy Perry we talked about. Oh, yeah. And Beyonce. And then you going all the way back to the Disney clip, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes ago, one of the one of the mentions that the the wolf character says it's great to be a celebrity exactly you know so it's it's this celebrity worship that we find ourselves in as a society it keeps all these connections keep coming together and he talks about saturn in numerology being the number eight and if for those people who are a little bit uh confused by that what he means by that in numerology is saturn is the eighth heavenly body counting the sun and our moon it's the sixth planet but in numerology, you count the sun as one, you know, uh, Mercury, Venus, Earth, our moon, and then he goes on. So, right. but the ideology of, or, or not the ideology, but the, the imagery of Saturn being eight and him comparing that to the spider web is sort of something that we've been connecting here with all these dots and all these pins on the tack board, seeming like it looking like a spider web but coming into form like all this stuff is is pointing in the same direction right and one of the things i don't know if you you caught on to this i'm sure many people have caught on to i'm sure a lot of our listeners have caught on to this if you listen to music no matter the genre don't matter what genre it is you're listening to one of the common things you hear these artists write about was i sold my soul for this over and over and over again. They're constantly telling you, I sold my soul for this. So fame, fortune, uh, the popularity, and everything that they do. They write their songs. They put their songs out there. It's to deliver a message. You know, this, when, I honestly believe when these artists come about and they, they put together their songs and try to paint these pictures and, you know, it's artistic at that point. Once they sell out or sell their souls, quote unquote, to Hollywood and, uh, you know, big corporate conglomerates who sign them to these deals, they're literally selling their soul over because now the music that they're producing is also background with frequencies. Right. 
Well, and on top of that, you said that sparked a thought in my mind. Everybody referenced all the time Robert Johnson, the the blues musician that sold his soul to the devil, you know, supposedly at the crossroads. Oh, we're going to do a podcast episode on Robert Johnson for sure. Right. So, no, I mean, there's another reference of, you know, this public celebrity, this this ability to go ahead and, and sell your soul for fame. And, and what is fame other than uh, a, a massive ego trip? And speaking of which, I remember I, I sent you a video not too long ago of uh, a hip-hop artist that I don't really listen to or, you know, I'm, I'm not too familiar with. My kid does. You know, I don't know if I'd call her kid, but uh, Triple Extension, right, who was in tune to some of this stuff uh, before he was murdered. And before he was murdered, he refused to put out uh, an album depicting some of these uh darker tones within the album because they purposely put these darker frequencies these deep frequencies negative frequencies so in these what you played earlier in the in the right know, podcast with jay-z right so they're negative frequencies so he did an album where he purposely wanted to put out uh an enlightened frequency right mm. and it wasn't long after that he was murdered which i maybe there's a cool you know correlation there maybe there isn't but it's very odd that he would be very vocal about something like that and then uh you know lose his life so i don't know that's i don't know there seems to be too many connections to just to just be coincidental i mean how much coincidence do you want i mean yeah I'm, what is coincidence though i mean how how often can you say oh well that's a coincidence until you say, well, well, maybe there's something else here. Maybe it's there's something more. It's not a coincidence. It's a pattern. Definitely a pattern. And so we continue. Now, this is called the sigil of Saturn. And they get this symbol by drawing in the magic square of Saturn from one to two and then to three, from four to five uh, to six, etc. So they get it. Now, you turn that straight up and that's what that is. It's the sigil of Saturn. And this is a major symbol of Saturn going way back, the six-pointed star. It just so happens to be the very symbol from which we get the name Rothschild, one of the major families in this network. Because they used to be called Bauer. They lived in Frankfurt in Germany. But they had this red uh, six-pointed star um, hexagram on the front of their house and they changed their name to Bau from Bauer to Red Shield in German, Rothschild, Red Sign or Red Shield, uh, Rothschild. So they're named after this uh, very symbol. And it was they that created Israel, not on behalf of Jewish people, on behalf of their bloody agenda that, that treats Jewish people with as much disdain as any of the rest of us. And so you have their symbol on the flag of Israel. They use the six-pointed star so much in uh, law enforcement. This is on a public building in Toronto, right in the centre of the six-pointed star, there's the horned god. Um, there's the sheriff and a, a, a medal. There is the, uh, the six-pointed star representing Saturn on an ancient uh, uh, you know, uh, clay depiction. And there it is on Credo Mutwa's 500 to 1,000-year-old Zulu um, hand symbol. Uh, you, if you do that on the uh, dollar bill, you get the six-pointed star and the uh, that those letters make an anagram of mason interestingly inside 
the great mother lodge of Freemasonry in Great Queen Street, London, there is the Twin Towers, symbolic of the Crescent, and there is Saturn again, the six-pointed star. Now, of course, the Roman Church and Christianity, that is uh, anti-Freemasonry and anti-secret societies because they're naughty, but it's on his bloody fish hat, look, right? They're everywhere because the same force is in control. Here you go, I have a bit more Madonna. Yeah, there you go. And, and in the, on the Great Seal of the United States, those 13 stars make up a six-pointed star, not by accident. And therefore, again, we keep coming back to this, all these different areas of society are only in the end focused on one thing. Satanism is Saturnism. Um, this is Fritz Springmeier, a, a long-time uh, researcher into this and uh, symbolism, etc., and Satanism. Saturn is an important key to understanding the long heritage this conspiracy has back to antiquity. The city of Rome was originally known as the Saturnia, or City of Saturn. The Roman Catholic Church retains much of, the, of Saturn worship in its ritual. Saturn also relates to Lucifer. In various occult dictionaries, Saturn is associated with evil. And uh, this is the remains of the uh, Temple of Saturn in Rome. And uh, just next to this is this place uh, called Capitoline Hill now, but before that called Mon Saturnus, the Hill of Saturn. And um, this is a very um, uh, symbolically important place to the bloodlines. And, and this whole thing about the skull and bones, uh, Capitoline Hill comes from cap caput, meaning dead, because they're supposed to have found a, a human skull there, and they call it caput, Capitoline Hill. That's why we say caput when something's dead. And you have the theme in Christianity of Golgotha and Calgary, the place of the skull, hill of the skull. And Capitoline Hill became Capitol Hill when the bloodlines moved in on America. Now, in the North Pole, uh, the northern pole of Saturn, is a permanent storm which make, takes the form of a hexagon. And uh, this has been found uh, by the Cassini uh, spacecraft and I think the Voyager one before that in the early 80s. And uh, the hexagon also is an expression of the hexagram or uh, of the six-pointed star. Uh, because all these different symbols that I'm going to talk about now are different expressions of the same frequency state. So you look at this crop circle from uh, England this year, and it is a hexagon. But a hexagon is a flattened out cube. So when you look at it from another angle, it's a cube. Well, it just so happens that an ancient symbol of Saturn is the cube, especially the black cube. And I would suggest that's what they are. The Kaaba, the focus of worship in, in um, Islam, Kaaba means cube. The Teflin, the cube on the head in Judaism. And when people go to uh, worship around the Kaaba, they're told to pray in concentric circles. Remind you of anything? And they're told to walk around it and their energy can be trawled. And if you focus on something that represents Saturn, Saturn is where the energy goes. In, in Judaism, they have Solomon's temple. Every syllable of Solomon means the sun. And the Holy of Holies in the so-called Solomon's temple was supposed to be a cube. They talk in uh, Revelation about the new Jerusalem in cube terms. There's these massive cubes that they use. This is outside the... Um, uh, one of the banks uh, near Wall Street, near where the protests are. And you see these black cubes and cubes like used by, uh, by Apple and stuff. 
Saturn symbolism. In uh, uh, Doctor Who, they had this recent one where they, we, the Earth was invaded by black cubes. Star Trek, you had the Borg, who were these cyborg-like, exactly as the, um, are described by the, uh, the Gnostics of the Archons, and they used to move around in these cubes. If you uh, geometrically represent the cross, then it is a flattened out cube. When you look at the, uh, the uh, depictions of, 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 of these uh, people, not, not Lady Gaga, but others, these religious leaders with the halo, well, that comes from Saturn as well, that halo when, when that luminous crescent was in that position. Astrologically, that's the symbol of Saturn. And what they uh, symbolized this as was the sickle and the hammer. And when the Rothschilds created um, the Soviet Union, provable fact if you look at the evidence, they used the symbol of Saturn as the symbol of the Soviet Union. There's the, that symbol on this guy from the Brotherhood of Saturn. The uh, Jesuits are a major secret society in this global network, and there's the symbol of Saturn in their uh, symbolism, very bloody clearly. The, uh, the snake on the cross also relates to this in, in some ways. Now, this is going to take us uh, forward here because the god of Saturn of the Greeks was called Kronos. And Kronos was, because he was the god Saturn, the, the sickle, the scythe, was represented as uh, holding the scythe. And also, he was depicted as the god of time. And he had the beard, uh, the white beard. And he became old father time. That's Kronos. That's the god of Saturn. He also became the grim reaper because Saturn is the planet, I say, son of death. Um, and Kronos became crown, a symbol of the bloodlines. Uh, uh, Kali, uh, a goddess related to Saturn, uh, it was called the Black One and uh, the, the goddess of time, depicted with a protruding tongue. There's Madonna again. I mean, she must have the bloody book she works through, this one. <laughs> the god El, the Hebrew god El, was their god of Saturn. So El and Elohim are demiurge and archons, I would suggest. So we have Archangel Els, Mike El, Gabriel, Yuri El, Raphael, another name for Jesus, Emmanuel. We have the Gospels, Chapel, Elders, elevated to the priesthood, elections where pawns are elected to serve the elite. We have Isis, Ra, El, the all names relating to Saturn. Saturn, Kronos, Satan, Black Sun, Dark Lord, they're all the same thing the expression of this force. And here you have Moloch, who they worship at Bohemian Grove, and he is a god of Saturn, this recurring theme. They also represent um, Moloch as a bull, as I said earlier, and so you have that as the uh, symbol of Wall Street. And the golden calf in the Bible is Moloch, Saturn. The Greeks talked about Saturn uh, used to eat his own children. And here's the colors of Satanism and the colors of Saturn, black and red, same as the royal protocol. The, the robes of the judge, the robes of the uh, clergy, the, the square hats of um, uh, universities, the, the, the hammer that the judge uses, it's all Saturn symbolism. So there's some interesting information uh, earlier in that clip that we just recently played from the David Icke video of the Rothschild family. Right, in the Rothschild family, basically they have 
what essentially looks like the Star of David, right? The Jewish symbol, but sort of more elaborate, but right. in in the red, in the color red. And Rothschild is a, a family that seems to be at the zenith or, or at the base of a lot of these conspiracy theories throughout time history, time and time again. Right. So again, here's another connection that we're pulling into these secret societies, almost as if this is a uh, a teaching or a hidden teaching from the very beginning. Uh, it even goes to the point of, of again they they talk in reference about the worship of Moloch and, and the bull gods. This again goes to Dagobert and Dagon. You know some of the names that we we referenced in the previous podcast. You know Dagobert being uh, possibly a descendant of Jesus or or that royal bloodline, and he again talks about the royal bloodlines, and then you can even coordinate that all the way back to the Dagon tribe. Right, the Dagon tribe, the tribe that knew about celestial bodies before anybody else was able to see them via satellite or, or you know, telescope. Right. In <laughs> ancient Mesopotamians, right? Ancient right. Mesopotamians. We go back to that. You go all the way back to that in, in the clay tablets. It shows imagery of a Saturn, a, a sun, or a, a planet that's got rings in it. Right. He also references. Elements like the twin towers again, in Masonic imagery, and he they, he he calls them twin towers. So it's almost as if now we'll get into this later, but it's almost as if for that imagery of, of these twin towers needed to come down to sort of break some sort of spell. That's you know interesting. I mean? Yeah. You know, and it seems, you know, you talk to a lot of people when we reference things like, you know, the Mandela effect. Around 2001, it seems like everything has changed. Like people go back and referenced 2001 as a changing point. You know, 2001, even people reference go up to 2012 saying, you know, the Mayan calendar. It seems like since these dates, things have been really, really awkward. And what's interesting, I'm, I'm, sort of this imagery in my head is popping in my head right now the twin towers almost could have been looked at as like a tuning fork yeah you know and again he he gets into other imagery the thing that i thought was interesting they talked about saturn being the the god of you know the the dark father or the father of time right he punishes right he he talks about if Saturn is this is a spitting image of the Grim Reaper. The symbol of the Grim Reaper, or one of the symbols, is the the Psi. The Psi, right? right. What's interesting about the Psi is they use that in the imagery of the Soviet Union, and he claims that Rothschild had a, a huge hand in the creation of that. That ties into what's going on right now, you know, with Ukraine and the in the beginning lineages of. of you know that version of Russia and the Soviet Union. Not only to mention, I've mentioned this to you, you know, off the podcast. Our friend Anthony Fauci. Yeah, his his name in Italian, Fauci in Italian, is sickle or sigh. So you know, I've I've said to you. And off comments, you know, he's almost like the bringer of death. And you look at all the the information that's come out on him. 
from uh, the the author Kennedy, uh, one of the I'm not sure of his first name, Robert Kennedy. He talks about all the people that Fauci basically threw under the bus during the AIDS pandemic. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and then now you come up to current times, you got Fauci coming out, and you know there's new information coming out all the time about how things like ivermectin could have been effective. And instead of looking at alternative therapies, and, and even for those of you who who may not be on the board with the ivermectin, at least the monoclonal antibodies were very effective. Very much so, yeah. So, and, and Florida had a great success with that, and so did Texas. So, anything natural was just told no, you know. And Fauci was the head of this. So again, you see this symbolism. You see this these connections. You know the 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 symbol that the brother Fraternus or the Saturn Fraternus right. has is very similar to the symbolism of the Jesuits. It's it's almost identical. It's the the you know cursive H with what looks like to be a, a sickle symbol at the end. the The study of these different connections to Saturn. They they seem to crescendo into this 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 melting pot. It just of dark. Everything just adds yeah. up. Like yeah. you know, well, you the math adds up. You were mentioning Fauci also, and we were talking about the different methods that we we you and I have done the research. You know, since we started the podcast on you, how to handle uh, such a virus, a, a, a SARS virus, because that's what it was. And that's what it still is. And for some odd reason, we're not talking about it anymore. Maybe it's because uh, people caught on to their bullshit. And uh, thankfully so. I mean, I still see drones out there wearing masks, whatever. But then they come out with this uh, this vaccination, right? Which we do our research on that. And what happens to that? Now you've got these dark figures coming out with uh, a synthetic vaccination that have has been proven to alter DNA. Right. So there you go again. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like looking at yourself and saying, would I take a vaccine from a bunch of Satanists? Ask yourself that question. Because if you could tie them in, and you can, there's your question. Would you allow Satan into your bloodstream? Right. And this is something that Dr. Montagnier talked about whenever the vaccine first came out. You know, he... He wasn't a proponent of it. And he came out and he said some of these elements, some of these chemicals that were in this vaccine didn't necessarily harm the host initially. But what it was, it degraded the, the DNA and the RNA going forward in, uh, in the progeny or, or the, the children of the, of the people who took the vaccine. So, again, you're talking about you know, the breakdown of the RNA and the DNA and, and the, the mRNA actually changing the molecules. Is there a reason why they're trying to change the DNA? Are they trying to alter it to be able to be more receptive to some sort of frequency? And one of the things that they're finding now is uh, a large spike in adolescents who have been inoculated with this vaccination. They're finding uh, that they're coming down with a different form of hepatitis. I don't know if you'd seen this. Yeah. No, I did not know about that. Yeah. And another element that he talks about in there that I found was interesting was that he mentioned the colors of the Rothschilds or the colors of Saturn, which are black and red. And 
what's very interesting about that is those are the color robes that the Cardinals wear in the Vatican. Yeah. It's also, you know, and this is something that they both have referenced, both him and Maxwell, about, you know, the black robes with judges, right? So, again, a lot of imagery. And I did want to also propose something uh, that I was exposed to one time. It was called the electrical universe. It's a theory that some people have that's based in some mathematics, and it's also something that Tesla talked about, you know, knowing the the nature of the universe with 369, but it being an electrical universe. And the reason why some of these old religions think about Saturn as a sun, there's a theory that we once were a one-star system or, or a planet revolving around one star. And that star was Saturn, and it was actually a red dwarf. Okay, and uh, this is called the electrical universe because there's some not exactly where it's at in the Bible, but there's some elements in the Bible talking about it, what people might reference to as a different sort of atmosphere. And uh, part of this electrical universe theory, uh, I'm going to read from a guy here. It says, uh, imagine a world of never-ending summer, the sky ablazing with a red glow. Prosperity and abundance abound all across the planet. This according to Wallace Thornhill and Eve Cochran. This is a world our ancient ancestors knew until a great cataclysm befell our solar system and changed the heavens above and the earth below. These tales are embedded in a forgotten science of cosmology, told in ancient mythological tales and deeply ingrained within our genes. To explain the reality of this mythology, they present a new theory about our current universe, one that is not run by the minuscule forces of gravity, but by the spark of electricity that connects everything in our existence. And what they're referencing is there's some passages in the Bible that talk about there being a red glow and there never being night, which that would be something akin to us being in lockstep like the moon is with the, with us, the moon with Earth, be, us being in lockstep with another red dwarf and so there's some connections to that possibly being saturn right so if that's the case when they talk about the dark sun or the dead sun that would be saturn saturn being the dead old red dwarf so there you know they go into the in this series they go into much more detail than what you know just a little synopsis goes into but it, again sort of gives another viewpoint that maybe current science isn't really looking into all that much. And maybe that's why they consider, you know, these ancient cultures, these ancient secret societies reference Saturn as a dead sun, because maybe it was at one point. So continuing, here's another clip with David Icke's speech. And then, therefore, you look at religions and secret societies and Satanism, they're worshipping Saturn. Then you look astrologically, in other words, energetically. Banking is astrologically ruled by Saturn. Politics and institutions of state at all levels, astrologically ruled by Saturn. Corporations, astrologically ruled by Saturn. Law and court system, astrologically ruled by Saturn. Science, astrologically ruled by Saturn. Saturn worship, Satan worship. And it's interesting that you have the uh, god of Saturn, uh, Kronos, with the beard, and, and represent, and all these bloody religions, they have bloody beards. 
And then you have God depicted, depicted as a man with a white beard on a cloud or on a throne. And there's God, Charlton Heston type God. That's Yahweh depicted with a, with a beard and stuff. And then we have Santa with the white beard. Santa, anagram of Satan from Saturnalia. Saturnalia was a festival in Rome where they worshipped the god Saturn. And they gave, uh, it was in the same period to the run up to our Christmas. And they gave gifts, they decorated trees and they hung sprigs of bloody holly. So that is Saturn symbolism, a man with a white beard. This is Ancient of Days, a painting by William Blake from I think 1794 or something like that. Ancient of Days is an old name for God. And he's depicting God. He was a very deep esoteric thinker and, and great knowledge, uh, William Blake. And uh, he's depicting God with the white beard. That's Saturn, Kronos. On the GE building in the Rockefeller uh, Center in New York, there's Kronos again. Now, the Freemasons, they call their god the great architect of the universe. The Demiurge was known by the Gnostics as the great architect of the universe, which brings us to the white-bearded architect of the Matrix, in the Matrix movie series. So where is this leading us? Well, again, this needs to go, if we're gonna go anywhere with this, because I'm going into fantastic areas here, but this is where the information has taken me very, very clearly. Um, and the hardest thing to see is what is in front of your eyes, as this man rightly said. So there's a lot of similarities with Santa Claus and the uh, holiday there with the beard and God and the beard and uh, Santa Claus, which, you know, often is made as, as a comparison to Satan, Santa, Satan, Santa, right, Satan. It's an anagram of Satan. It's an anagram. So also, you're right. So and, and another thing that's interesting is they talk about how Rome actually worshipped Saturn prior to it accepting and, and, and adopting the, the Christian, you know, religion being there, Rome being the home of the Christian religion and the Christian empire. So you have that, and I think it's also very interesting that within some of these ideologies or some of the, some of this information that he's releasing is the connections all the way back to the Sumerians and even the connections to the Gnostics that we talk about who wrote the Nag Hammadi and the, and the Dead Sea Scrolls. Right. You know, they talk about how the Demiurge, which is the negative influence in, in that part of the, the religion – you know, the Demiurge being in charge of the physical world, right? And then, you know, the the Sophia Christ energy or, or the the Sophia energy being the, the spiritual master of the non-physical realm or metaphysical realm. So, and that, that very seamlessly correlates to the Sumerian primordial goddess that was the beginning of Tiamat and Apsu, which Tiamat, again, you know, is serpent god or serpent, serpentine, and they talk about Kronos being serpentine. So uh, they're not apples to apples, but there's a lot of similar imagery going on with these early religions and these early teachings. So I think it's it's very interesting, the dichotomy that they talk about with the, the more negative sides of these teachings always seemingly at at the underbelly or just below the surface 
relating to Saturn. And again, Saturn being very close to the name of Saturday. Since Saturday is actually named after Saturn, right? And Saturday technically is supposed to be the day of Sabbath. And another piece of his presentation talks about the imagery of St. Peter's Square, which is in the Vatican. Talks about how it's almost the shape of a keyhole, right? And then it has the northeast-west uh, sort of directional teachings, just like the cross or just like, you know, the outgrowing or dispersing of light, right? right. You know, and it's the same imagery that they have in the Solomon Temple, the same imagery that they have at the Red Square. And I think he might have said that in a few clips before, but I wanted to touch back on the fact that all this imagery is in the Vatican, even the serpentine, you know, imagery that they talk about. So a lot of this stuff is stuff that we've touched on before. And he's coming in here and he's connecting a lot of these dots that whenever I was first introduced to this video, I was, you know, palm slapping my forehead. So, and there, and there's more information, uh, as, as we go along here. So, as we go forward in this this last half of this video, it's going to get really crazy. It's we're going to get into some very interesting correlations to previous episodes that we've released, and here we go. The Gnostics talked about the fact that the Archons make something appear to happen that does not actually happen. They can induce a virtual reality experience. The uh, Islamic people and pre-Islamic people talk about the jinn manipulating humans by creating illusions. I was uh, in New York in 2010 and someone took me to the subway station for Ground Zero. And when I saw it, it was like, whoa, hit me big time. There was, first of all, this eyes all along the platforms, but there is this massive depiction of the world on the floor, and then there's an eye, and going out from this eye are these broadcast transmissions. And that hit me so powerfully. And Neil Haig was with me, and we kind of looked at each other and said, that's Saturn, isn't it? And remember, physicists have said uh, only this last few days, they may have evidence the universe is a computer simulation. Well, I say that it's a virtual reality which has been hacked into, and that hack is the reality that we're experiencing, the fake reality. And that hack, I say, comes from Saturn. Because I'm saying that these rings are actually a massive broadcast transmission system, which is broadcasting a fake reality within the frequency range that we are decoding, and therefore we are picking up that uh, fake reality. When the Cassini spacecraft arrived at Saturn in 2004, um, found many things that was unexplainable. You know, things like the, the hexagon North Pole storm and stuff like that. But they also found extraordinarily powerful sound coming from Saturn. This is, this is part of what they recorded. Nice man. Um, and I got uh, sent this by a sound engineer, works in sound engineering for a living. 
and it's one of the rings of Saturn, and he said, I see that every day. That's bloody sound. They're sound waves. And this is in cymatics. This is a six-pointed star. And of course, we have the hexagon going round and round and round at Saturn's North Pole. This is a standing wave created by sound, rings. Uh, this is at the South Pole of Saturn, and it's a permanent ice storm. This is a standing wave created by sound. And these are symbols created by sound, like somatics. And a certain frequency created this perfect six-pointed star with the hexagon in the middle and the hexagon there. Therefore, the sound creates the frequency, uh, creates the symbol, and in the same way, the symbol represents the sound and the frequency. The, the, the symbols are just holographic representations of vibrational waveform states. I would suggest in this, these symbols cases, representatives of the sound frequency coming off Saturn. Same with all these symbols and numerological manipulations. The sound and the symbol are different expressions of the same thing. Thus, if we in the holographic realm are constantly bombarded with these symbols, it is on an energetic level feeding us the frequency field of what they represent. And Saturn, when described pre-cataclysmic, didn't have rings. So where'd they come from? Well, maybe it had rings, but it weren't rings we could see. We can see them now. Well, this guy, Norman Bergeron, has a long, he's in his 90s now, I think. He has a long, long history in space research, technological research, going way back. And his life changed when he started studying the pictures that came back from the Voyager 1 and 2 space uh, expeditions to Saturn. They arrived in 1918-81. Because when he studied them, he realized there was something very strange about Saturn's rings. And he said this in his book, The Ringmakers of Saturn. Several years ago, a number of folks in the astrology and uh, astronomy rather, and physics world began theorizing that these rings had to be much younger than the universe, perhaps only about 100 million years old. But one pair of pictures shows a change in five minutes. An impression is conveyed that the latest reported measurements purport to be the true ones, when in reality, all might uh, quite nearly be correct at the time of observation. General reluctance to accept variable ring system geometry occurs because of apparent failure to identify a physical mechanism suitable for producing recurrent change. In other words, classic mainstream science, if we can't explain it, we'll kid ourselves it doesn't exist. And he also found these in the pictures coming back from Voyager, and the Cassini ones found them too. And he calls them electromagnetic vehicles, and they are massive. Some of them several times bigger than the Earth. But again, 
we need to move our sense of perception. In terms of size uh, representation, this is the Earth against the size of Saturn. They're not, talk they're not talking the same perception of big um, in terms of outside of the Earth. And here are some of the other pictures of these electromagnetic vehicles picked up by these NASA craft. Why aren't they all in the papers being talked about? You think, what the hell is this? No, no, nothing. Thanks to Berggren, we've seen their existence. This is the Hubble telescope. Let's pick one of them up. Look at the size of the bloody thing. And here's a few Cassini spacecraft pictures, still pictures put together. What the hell is that? Exactly what Berggren was describing from Voyager. And this is the other thing. He found pictures of stuff spewing out of these electromagnetic vehicles into the rings of Saturn and bloody making them or extending them. And what is said to be in the rings of Saturn, I guess thus that's why we can see them, um, is like ice and stuff. I think and I would suggest that eventually they will realize that there is a crystal substance being put into those rings that has a dramatic impact on their ability to transmit information. In 2009, NASA um, released this picture, which is uh, a ring around Saturn, which is from 3.7 million uh, miles out to uh, 7.4 million. And that ring could encompass a billion Earths. I suggest that there are rings that we can see, but there are sound rings that we can't see that are coming out across and we're picking them up. They make something appear to happen that does not actually happen. They can induce a virtual reality experience. The Saturn matrix, as I call it, is a frequency band which we are decoding as a fake reality. And I suggest, my view, we will find that the edge of that frequency band is what we call the speed of light. And beyond it, you go out of the matrix. And when all the genetic tinkering that the ancients talked about went on, the human form was being manipulated to be tuned in to receive and transmit within the frequency band of this Saturn broadcast. And pulling people from a heart state beyond the matrix into an emotional uh, uh, point of interaction ba uh, massively in the matrix was a major way of tuning us into this fake reality. We talk about people who don't think for themselves as being in the box. Maybe we ought to say that they're in the cube. And they want to shut the heart down, and they have to so many people, because it takes us beyond the bounds of time and space beyond the matrix, because I suggest that what we call time, as we decode it, is in this matrix transmission. I'll whip through this quickly, because um, I've talked about this in my books at great length, and I've talked about this at Under London Talks. But um, I, I, I say the moon is a construct, or a part construct. Um, this is a book called Who Built the Moon by Christopher Knight and Alan Butler. It's absolutely brilliant in the way that it uh, puts the case for the moon not being uh, real. 
in terms of a natural body. But interestingly, what they find in that book is the mathematics and geometry between the sun, the moon, and the earth are fantastic in terms of their synchronicity, and it does not apply in any way to the rest of the solar system. And the Gnostic writings found in Nag Hammadi in 1945, 1,600 years old or more, say that this is a separate system operating within the Archon system of the inorganic universe. They say in the book, um, the authors, the mass involved in the Earth-Moon-Sun system is nothing less than staggering, with, uh, and that the uh, moon has been put there with the accuracy of the proverbial Swiss watchmaker. So when viewed from the Earth, it's the size of the sun at an eclipse. The BBC did a, uh, a program, who built, uh, do we really need the moon? And it said the moon is now in a perfect position to sustain life on Earth and its effect on the Earth, but it's just a coincidence. I think not. We only see the near side of the moon. We don't see the far side of the moon. And the authors say in that book, the moon is bigger than it should be, apparently older than it should be, uh, much lighter in mass than it should be. It occupies an unlikely orbit and is it so extraordinary that all existing explanations for its presence are fraught with difficulties and none of them could be considered remotely watertight. The mainstream theory is that the Earth was hit by a Mars-type planet when it was forming and a chunk came off and became the Moon, called the Whack Theory. That didn't pan out, so they came up with a double Whack Theory, where it was hit by the planet, it went away and gave it another smack, and then it became the Moon. Now, of course, it doesn't pan out because it's nonsense. They don't know. Why don't they just say it's not a bad thing we don't know? There's lots of things we don't know. Um, the best explanation for the Moon is observational error. The Moon doesn't exist, said this. Uh, scientist at the Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. It's easier to explain the non-existence of the moon than its existence, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. And, and you know, I'll, I'll go through this because um, I don't want to run over too much uh, time. I'll just mention a few things about the moon. Um, these two scientists from the Soviet Academy of Sciences wrote a detailed article in 1970 uh, headed, Is the Moon the Creation of an Alien Intelligence? And they explained in scientific terms um, why the moon cannot be a natural body, and in doing so, explained all the anomalies that if it is a natural body, cannot be explained. Um, this guy, Sergeant Wolf, talked at the National Press Club a few years ago and told of his experiences on the inside at NASA, where he saw uh, 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 things like um, alien bases on the moon and stuff like that. And all, there's all these towers and strange phenomenon, like this blue light called blue gem or blue uh, dome that they can't explain on the moon. And these artifacts on the moon that clearly are not natural. Look at that one. What the bloody hell is that? They can't explain it. They don't talk about them. These are pictures of what are claimed to be statues on the moon. There's so much we don't know. In symbolic terms, maybe in a bit more than that, the moon is a bit like the Death Star of this big-time insider, George Lucas, in, in the sense that it's actually some kind of technological construct. And it's my view, as I've said before in previous books, that what the moon is doing in its present use anyway, is taking this Saturn broadcast and acting as an amplifier to fire it at the Earth. So we get it in massively increased power and therefore effect. It's acting a bit like a, uh, a, uh, a dish transmitting uh, information which we're picking up and decoding into a fake reality. Now, um, nine months after I've written that in a book called The uh, Human Race Get Off Your Knees, someone sent me a... Um, an email from Brazil, I think it was, a lady, and said, have you read this book, Earth, by Barbara Masiniak? Because I've just read your book and I think you'd find it interesting. And she sent me some page numbers. Barbara Masiniak is what they call a channel. And lots of channels are not channels. 
uh, they just think they are. But, you know, if you get a genuine one, then you can, you can get out there and bring information out from other dimensions into this one. You can get some profound information that way. And she's done a lot of great stuff, uh, Barbara Masiniak. I've met her a few times. Anyway, I, I hadn't read Earth. I'd read the first book um, that she, she wrote, but, but not um, Earth. Anyway, I sent for it. I went through the page numbers, and I'm like, whoa, this is nine months after I've said this stuff in um, Human Race Get Off Your Knees. And uh, this was a channeled book, and this is what was in the book. 1996, I think this came out. The moon is a very powerful electromagnetic computer. The energy from the moon has been beaming electromagnetic frequencies onto the Earth for eons now to maintain the two-stranded DNA. The moon is a satellite that was constructed. It was anchored outside Earth's atmosphere as a mediating and monitoring device, a supercomputer or eye in the sky. Earth must be owned by those who dwell there. However, it is not. You have outside gods, creator energies, who prevent you as a species from having free reign with your kundalini. That's the, the energy of awakening, in effect. The influence of the moon as a main satellite computer affects all of the Earth. The moon's programs have for eons been of great limitation towards human beings. There are repetitive cycles that the moon creates to which you respond. The tales about the full moon and insanity, madness and heightened bleeding are all quite true. You know that television influences you a great deal. The moon is the same way. And astrologically, just as a very quick aside, when that great um, rearrangement happened, of course, astrologically, everything changed as well in terms of the influence of the astrological energies upon the human perception, because suddenly all these bodies are in different positions to where they were before. So the Saturn moon matrix, as I call it, I say anyway, is um, generating a frequency band, a, a fake reality, which we are decoding to be what seems to be a real reality, and the genetic manipulation has tuned us into it and created this cycle of round and round the garden. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, as the guy said in the video. And uh, Neil Haig has this um, concept of moonopoly uh, or Saturn moonopoly. And it goes like this. You get up in the morning and you have your breakfast and then you go to work. And then you have your lunch, sandwich normally, and then I go to work, and then I go home, and then I have my tea, and then I watch a bit of telly, and then I go to bed. Then I get up and I go to work, and then I have my lunch, sandwich normally. And I mean, look at us. We are infinite consciousness, infinite awareness. All there is, has been, and ever can be. Is that all we are capable of? No. But we are locked into these cycles to which we respond. No response. See it as you couldn't see it before. An end to work, buy, consume, die. That's what that is. And this matrix creates a firewall that holds us from seeing further into the energy field and holds us in this tiny frequency band we call visible light. What they've done is taken the, uh, the, uh, the universal energy field, the universal construct, and they have hijacked, hacked into it, and they're feeding a fake reality to us from within that construct. And, and therefore, it's goal! Oh, my life's in a terrible state. I'm just making adjustments to my life. Oh, life's great. And they're all freaking illusions.
Um, we're like in this war. But you know those scientists that have been suggesting in the last few days that um, the universe might be a computer simulation? They actually said, like a prisoner in a pitch black cell, we may never be able to see the walls of our prison. Why? Because they are vibrational walls and I suggest that they are the speed of light. She's not the fastest speed. Sorry, Einstein, mate. It's pedestrian. We're talking all possibility, darling. And so when we look into the night sky, are we seeing what's real or are we seeing a projection? I talked to him, I think it was my last book or the one before that. I had a profound experience as a little boy when I was first taken to the London planetarium when I looked and saw the night sky on the roof of the planetarium and it looked so bloody real. And, and it just hit me and it's never left me that actually when I look at the night sky, that ain't actually what I'm looking at. Firewall. All that we see or seem is just a dream within a bigger dream. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in the landslide. No escape from reality. Open your eyes, look at the skies and see. Is it a sky? Or is it a projection? And so... When we come to the matrix and this scene in the matrix, I call it the Saturn moon matrix, maybe connected to other things we don't know yet. This is so, so real and so, so the world we live in. If you add two words. The Saturn moon matrix is everywhere. It is all around us, even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neil. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch, a prison for your mind. Archon world, we live in archon world. Um, I'm gonna bring this down now before we, we have a break. I'll bring this down into the world that we live in now. Um, this guy, a great cosmologist, who knew far more than he was saying, or was allowed to say, um, uh, Carl Sagan, he wrote a book, The Dragons of Eden, in which he talked about um, the fundamentally uh, importance of understanding the reptilian impact of reptilian genetics on human behavior. Because uh, the reptilian brain fundamentally affects human behavior. And I suggest that before the genetic tinkering, either that wasn't there or was nothing like as, as powerful as it is now. And I came across these books after I was a long way down the line. I came across these books by Carlos Castaneda, in which um, he was um, quoting a Central American shaman called Don Juan Matters. And when I read some of the stuff in these books that this shaman had said, it was like, whoa-wee. Talk about confirmation. He talks about the archons and the jinn in exactly the same terms, but he calls them the flyers. But they're the same, uh, they're the same entities. And this is what he said about them in the books. We have a predator that came from the depths of the cosmos and took over the rule of our lives. Human beings are its prisoners. The predator is our lord and master. It has rendered us docile, helpless. If we want to protest, it suppresses our protest. If we want to act independently, it demands we don't do so. Indeed, we are held prisoner. They took over us because we are food to them, energy. 
and they squeeze us mercilessly because we are their sustenance. Just as we rear chickens in coops, the predators rear us in human coops, human eros. Therefore, their food is always available to them. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being into this. Think, matters said for a moment, and tell me how you would explain the contradictions between the intelligence of man the engineer and the stupidity of his systems of belief or the stupidity of his contradictory behaviour. Sorcerers believe that the predators have given us our systems of beliefs, yes, our ideas of good and evil, our social mores. They are the ones who have set up our dreams of success or failure. They have given us covetedness, greed and cowardice. It is the predator who makes us complacent, routinary and egomanical, feeding the wolf. In order to keep us obedient and meek and weak, the predators have engaged themselves in a stupendous manoeuvre. Stupendous, of course, from the point of view of a fighting strategist, a horrendous manoeuvre from the point of those who suffer it. They gave us their mind. The predator's mind is baroque, contradictory, morose, filled with the fear of being discovered any minute now. They gave us their mind, and that, I suggest, is how they've done it. And they also, more than gave us our mind, they gave us their frequency via junk or non-coding DNA. We are at last, hallelujah, brother and sister, having mainstream scientists seeing the blatant, beyond belief, obvious, that... 98% of DNA, which they have called junk because they didn't know what it did and said it had no function, actually does, stands back in amazement, have a function. And in that 98% of DNA, non-coding DNA, uh, is our programs, behavior programs, uh, perception programs, emotional programs, that if we are not beyond mind-body conscious, we lock into and they become us. People in that state, I suggest, it is very possible, and I say highly likely, they can go through an entire human lifetime and not have an original thought or emotional response that isn't coming from the program. This is um, Boston University and Harvard Medical School research. They examined 37 DNA sequences containing at least 50,000 base pairs and one with 2.2 million base pairs. Lead researcher Eugene Stanley, non-coding DNA sequences do contain a structured language fundamentally unlike the coding in genes. We therefore need to consider the possibility that the junk DNA may carry some kind of message. Yes, it does, many. And one of them is the human control system when we're pulled into body-mind. Russian DNA research. It appears that the languages we were looking for are in fact hidden in the 98% junk DNA contained in our own genetic apparatus. The basic principle of these languages is similar to the language of holographic images based on the principles of laser radiations of the genetic structures which operate together as a quasi-intelligent system. And this uh, recent uh, announcement by this uh, institute at the Harvard Medical School all data that humanity creates in a year can be stored on four grams of DNA. That's how much information we have in the human structure. And therefore, if you can put emotional programs, emotional response programs into the uh, 
into the genetic structure and then created a society designed to constantly trigger those programs, then you can have a massive, constantly recurring a tidal wave of low vibrational emotional energy. And when you, to, to feed off, and when you go beyond the body, like with Jill Bolte-Taylor earlier, all these near-death experiences, what is the common theme when, we go, when they go beyond the body? I felt calm, at peace, I just was. There was no thought pattern and no human emotion. Because so much of it is coming from the body, it's a program. And when you go into the heart and you go beyond time and space, you stop reacting in the, in the sense of the program and you stop delivering the food, the sustenance of that which is behind it. I did not judge and did not feel I was judged. I loved being in that painless state of existence. And if you want to feed off human energy, low vibrational, if you've got these programs within the human genetic structure generating that energy, well, you're home and bloody dry. This is the mind that we've been connected to. Why do rules have power over our minds? It's all about rules, because it's all about control. And this part of the brain, the reptilian brain, where we get cold-blooded behavior, territoriality, desire to control, might, right is might, and all that stuff, um, might is right, um, that is massively part of the reaction system. Because the reptilian brain is about survival. It's about constantly scanning the environment for threats to survival. Not just physical survival, but survival financially, survival of the job, survival of the relationship. Uh, be afraid, be very afraid, because the big man monster's coming as soon as we've invented him. This is why we're constantly given reasons to be frightened, because that locks us into the reptilian brain and therefore into this collective mind. And Don Juan Matters said, I know that even now, though you never have suffered hunger, you have food anxiety, which is none other than the anxiety of the predator who fears that at any moment now its maneuver is going to be uncovered and food is going to be denied. Through the mind, which after all is their mind, the predators inject into the lives of human beings whatever is convenient for them. And they ensure in this manner a degree of security to act as a buffer against their fear. Sorcerers of ancient Mexico reasoned that man must have been a complete being at one point, with stupendous insights, feats of awareness that are mythological legends nowadays. Absolutely. And then everything seems to disappear, and we have now a sedated man. What I'm saying is that what we have against us is not a simple predator, it is very smart and organized. It follows a methodical system to render us useless. Man, the magical being that he is destined to be, yes, and she, uh, is no longer magical. He's an average piece of meat. There are no more dreams for man than the dreams of an animal who is being raised to be a piece of meat, trite, conventional, imbecilic. Control of perception. And if you look at the Avatar movie, it is so symbolic because you had the Heart Society and it was taken over this connected society of greater awareness was taken over by this left brain, merciless, heartless invasion by symbolically earth troops with their technology and all that stuff. And you even had the symbolism of these uh, invaders infiltrating the blue people society by operating inside an outer shell of blue people 
so that they didn't know that they were being infiltrated. Now, are we as a human race, there are seven billion of us now and more, the number of people in full knowledge who are behind this are tiny, tiny. And they can only do it by dividing and ruling us. Are we going to stand up, come together and face this, or look the other bloody way and go on walking into a level of enslavement that would make George Orwell bloody wince? As, as uh, Martin Luther King said, a man can't ride your back unless it's bent. Freedom is the sure possession of those alone who have the courage to defend it. So there you have it. I mean, that's a lot of information, Jeffro. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. So, by theory, and I say theory, and I even say theory, theory here lightly, that we are inundated with a frequency. We're like uh, radio controlled, almost like if you were to have a radio controlled car and you're controlling it from a distance, right? Right. We are inundated with different symbolisms with different frequencies with different sounds and our music the imagery we see and everything around us and what do we do constantly day in and day out you do the same thing over and over and over again it's mundane and like david ike here says and i i love the way he says it is we are meant for so much more something you and i always talk about with all this darkness surrounding us that, that we were born into and we are indoctrinated with day in and day out and we we take in we we are so much more than that and you and I were talking about this before the episode even started before we started recording about the different chakras and how this frequency omitted is to put a cap on our chakra and keep us at the sixth chakra keep us taking in these radio frequencies to keep us emotionally driven, right? To keep us emotionally triggered consistently. And these bigger head figures around us, they're bigger head figures, but they're minuscule in numbers because they, what do they do? They control the masses. They play us against each other constantly. And everything that we see and we do throughout our daily lives and throughout history, we've seen it time and time again. They play us against each other. It's control. All of it. Every bit of it is control. And they do it by signaling, setting out a frequency to our, is it our sixth chakra? I believe is the third eye, right? Right. That's, that's your antenna. That's, that's our antenna. That's humanity's antenna. Everybody. That's our antenna to what? To the rings of Saturn? To these frequencies sent from this demonic, hellation, hellacious creation from what? Another race? An alien race? Right. So to, to sum up sort of how I was interpreting the information that he, he presented there, it seems as though this this Saturn moon matrix, right? This we've talked about in the past, and he talks about in the clip that we live in a simulation, right? And there's a lot of scientists that have come to the conclusion that there's a very real possibility of a simulation. 
Well, it seems like that's been said quite a bit, especially, you know, it seems like there's there's people trying to release this information, especially with the movie, The, the Matrix and, and whatnot, and we see these different theories everywhere. It almost seems like somebody's trying to get this information out from time to time. Right. And how he posits what's going on here is all those things, because when you, when you first hear this information, or at least when I first heard this information, I was thinking, oh man, so is all all this enlightenment, all this sort of new age information, is this being hijacked, right? Because that's what seems is going on. He's talking about how there is a simulation. There is because I've I've contemplated in the in the past about the idea that the simulation was created for us to go ahead and evolve, right? It's it's used like a practice simulator, like you would a pilot, you know, trying to learn how to fly a plane. This is. Which, Our soul's trying to learn how to navigate this this world. Still could be true. Which still could be true. And the reason for that is this. He is describing what's going on right now as a hologram. It's a hijacking. Well, exactly. So if we, we look at some of the ancient texts, and I, I talk about the numerology, like the numbers 3, 6, 9, 12, 21... 42, right? Or you talk about the Fibonacci sequence, you know, 1, 2, uh, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, you know, 34, 55, 89, 144, right? All those things are still in play, but what's going on and the reason why we as a species cannot move to the next level is because there's a hijacking. There's a, there's a virus in the system. There's a bug. Right. Right. There there's been something that has prevented us from being able to evolve. And and the purpose for that is something has interjected itself and this would be the idea of what the Gnostics talk about the demiurge, right? It's implement the demiurge has implemented itself into a three dimensional world, stopped us from being able to vibrate at a frequency that we need to vibrate at to evolve. And we've basically have found ourselves in a prison planet, which is interesting because that's something that Alex Jones talks about, maybe not along these lines, but it's very similar. So, you know, is everything that we see a hologram? Is everything, is our, our we, we already know our reality isn't real, what we see, right? Because the, the way the eye works. Right. All right, you have to flip the image. So everything we're looking at is actually flipped upside down or right side up, however you want to, however you want to mm-hmm. debate that. But it's interesting how even what we think is real with our vision is not real. Even whenever we talk, you know, the time it takes my voice to reach your ear, there's a fraction of a second. So we're always living in the past or experiencing fractions of the past. So nothing is real. Everything seems to be holographic. And if we weren't living in that holograph, we wouldn't need to communicate that way. Right? It could have been, you know, we could be talking telepathically instantaneous but there's no ability to realize that because our frequency is being messed up and doesn't it seem like sometimes we are able to do that we're able to read other people's auras around us from time to time we can almost right exactly it almost seems like that is stifled right so there's a time when when you are in tune with these things and you're in tune with each other and everyone around you that you're able to do these things and then all of a sudden something happens Right, no matter what it is, maybe you you hear something or you see something around you, and it stifles it. 
Right. Right. Knocks it down. It put the, it put a lid on it. Right. So right. That, this is what we're talking about is the lid. And he goes on to say, well, why? Why are they doing this? And he goes on to say, we are food. We are food for these beings, for, for these creatures. For And I, he makes the connection visually in this video of reptilian type, right? He makes that connection. And you can't talk reptilian type without talking about Anunnaki, right? There's some imagery of the Anunnaki being Definitely reptilian. some imagery. So when we go back and we start thinking about some of the things that you and I talked about in the Dark Veil episodes and the Adrenochrome episode and all these things, it all goes hand in hand. They're feeding... Phil Schneider said they're feeding off our secretions. They like our secretions. They don't like a synthetic version that we tried creating for them so that they won't do it, which you and I have discussed this also. And I had a theory of it being clones, which we'll get into cloning later on. But they don't like that. They want the real thing. That's what we're here for. We're here to drone around in a circle in our day-to-day lives while they feed off of us whenever the hell they want to. There was a there was a video I shared with you not too long ago, and it was from uh, it was on another podcast. It was from a gentleman who was on Ancient Aliens many many times. It was uh, the blonde hair guy. Help me out here. Do you know his name? Yeah, his name was David Wilcock. Right. So D- David Wilcock. This guy's been a proponent on Ancient Aliens many a times. He's a very good researcher as well. This guy knows his shit. He's very good at connecting the dots and. Uh, on this podcast, he releases some staggering information, and I just so happened to be able to download this clip before it was removed. Of course it was removed. You know, when you really find out what's going on and what's happening on Earth, it's very depressing, and it totally fits with biblical prophecy because it appears that both gray aliens and reptilians are feeding on human bodies. That's one of the things that you learn. We need to get rid of these human traffickers. We need to get these aliens out of here because they are demons. And it's worse than you think. It's a lot worse than you think. What's going on with the border? Most of those people are not going to become American citizens. That's what they call a meat wagon. And I heard about meat wagons all the way back in 2010. But they let people through the border. They put them on a bus. They drive them into an underground base. And whatever happens from there. We, we are very much aware of that. I wasn't going to get into that in this. But since you bring it up, it, it's confirmed through so many sources, people on the ground. We know, we know that that's happening. You're exactly right. And it's, it's, it's not just children, it's adults, too. If you look at... Uh, see, I can say things on Brighteon that I would never want to say on YouTube. That's true, yeah. Well, welcome to Brighteon. Uh, go for it, you know? <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this a little bit. There's a movie called Jupiter Ascending uh, that was made by the Wachowskis, which they're the, they're the sisters who made The Matrix, right? I guess they identify as women now. So um, when we see Jupiter Ascending... There's reptilians and there's greys in the movie. And the spindly little greys are also answering to these people who in the movie are humans, but they're human-looking extraterrestrials. And they work with the reptilians. And what you find out in Jupiter Ascending is that these human-looking extraterrestrials are soaking in a liquid bath that's made from human bodies. This is apparently what greys have to do to survive. That's why their DNA is breaking down is that they, their genetics, they cloned themselves off of a small subject pool. But the part that we don't know 
is that the way that they try to stay alive is by using human growth factors and stem cells. And uh, we, as in our secret government, have made the greys an alternative option that can keep them alive, but they don't like the taste. So they're still human trafficking. So like, if you go back to the Tom DeLonge disclosures that happened in whenever that was, 2015-ish, or whatever year it was, I can't really remember now, maybe 2017, something like that. But anyway, when the Tom DeLonge stuff came out, they showed you these sightings from a, a UFO around the USS Nimitz. You remember that? Of course yes. you do. Okay, I'm going to tell you something really dark, and I'm sorry, but what's happening is that those UFOs are pulling up to corrupted U.S. military elements, and then they pick up their payment from the ship, if you follow what I'm saying by payment. They're picking up their payments. Our military is doing this. We took a crappy deal. We took a horrible deal, and we now have enough technology that we can actually get rid of these people and stop the payments. But in order to do that, we're gonna need a civilian space force. We're gonna need a civilian-led, or at least a civilians with military, so that we can go against corrupted aspects of our own infrastructure that are actually cooperating with these beings and using this for uh, their own sustenance, I guess. And wouldn't you know, I got a tractor driving right behind me. As no, it's okay. And then, you know, Trump, of course, highlighted uh, Space Force, and it's something that I think the Biden regime is trying to, to shut down. But politics aside, uh, there are, at least according to the sources I've spoken with, uh, white hat sources inside uh, military intelligence and also Space Force and so on, that, that are, are, you know, talking amongst themselves and to certain people about this battle is being waged right now. This is actually happening. There is a war going on with the Draco right now, and Pete would talk to me about this, and he said that we were winning. Um, there's about, from what Pete said, there's about 3,500 of these ships out there that, that Ben built, at least, uh, that we're using. And he said there's Americans all over the galaxy. He said that we have colonized 65 locations off planet Earth, throughout the galaxy and that each one of these locations typically will have at least 3,500 soldiers there. So, and so the first big of all, thing is to fight these reptilians. Um, in fact, I just got a whole bunch of new information on the Draco today, believe it or not. Uh, they are distributed all throughout the constellation Draco. And apparently the reason the constellation Draco was named that way is because there's a lot of them out there. Right. So we are going to have to deal with this. We're going to have to deal with the human trafficking. We're going to have to stop. So, so what I'm trying to say, Mike, is that there's a direct through line between Greys, Satanism, Illuminati, human trafficking, and extraterrestrial UFO sightings. Okay, let me explain this to you, because I wanted to do this somewhere, but not on YouTube. <laughs> Understandably, yes. So who... Alistair, Alistair Crowley arguably is the author of Satanism. The modern Satanism that the Cabal follows was created by Alistair Crowley. They love him, okay? And I'm sure you know that. So what you may not realize is that Alistair Crowley was contacted by a being called Lam, L-A-M. And if you look up Lam, it's a gray, or it looks grayish. It's like a gray hybrid with more human-looking eyes. Lam is the being that taught 
Crowley how to do satanic ceremonies, how to summon beings like him, okay, which involves the, the, the sacrificing of, of life forms. So, so the aliens brought this to us. Do you understand? They want, they want the elite to practice this, and an alien taught Crowley how to do Satanism. So these are demons, and you talk about this, Mike, but I'm just trying to connect some dots for you. So what then happens is... Well, yeah, but just, just a second, if you don't mind me interjecting. Sure. Just to help connect the dots uh, for the listeners here as well. So when we talk about globalists and their, their current spike protein release for human depopulation, or what I've called uh, trying to transform the planet into a post-human future, this is just a subset of what you're talking about, which is the extraterrestrial, you know, the, the, the evil extraterrestrials have come in and taught the globalists how to do this and actually how to empower uh, more, uh, more invocations of those dark forces through the mass extermination and sacrifice of living conscious human beings. Is that correct? Right. So, so here's my understanding. Not all greys are doing this, okay? So I want to make that clear. There, there appear to be other... I mean, obviously, we're in a huge galaxy, and everybody looks human, so there's going to be humans that have big eyes that are not evil. However, one of the main contingents of greys that are here, that are working with our secret government, they require human protein to survive, or so they think. They like the taste. They soak in it like a bath. I don't know how they prepare it. I don't know... Uh, they don't need, so the greys apparently don't need Satanism to be involved in the, in the preparation of the food. But the reptilians do. The reptilians, uh, they prefer to eat meat, whereas the greys actually do kind of like a, a blended <laughs> human shake. A human smoothie, yeah, got it. <laughs> so um, it's very, I'm sorry to talk about this, but I feel like somebody's, I got to get this out somehow. You know, if something happened to me, I wanted to make sure everybody knows. So I want to I want to finish this because it is dark, but I think we should get through it. Um, so the next stage would be to see that you can if, if I mean, I, I would never, ever want to be involved in this. But these depraved people can perform a ceremony and summon these beings. I don't know if if a gray is going to necessarily look like a gray. He might project some other image. It looks like a gargoyle or a more traditional demon. It might still be a gray. Uh, but they do apparently become visible at the end of these ceremonies. So one of my insiders said that there's a one of the laptop videos is of of a, a session ending and something materializing at the end. Um, he only heard the audio of it. He hasn't seen it yet. And I don't know if ever, any of us are going to see this, but we also need to be prepared that part of the big awakening that we're about to go through could be a much more sobering and terrifying realization that the people who are praying to demons are actually getting results where these demons appear in front of them. And we're going to all know this as an absolute fact. We here at The Machine are not responsible for any nightmares you may endure after listening to this podcast. We apologize for any nightmarish visuals you may have while awake or sleeping. So trying to digest all that, that's uh, quite, a bit, quite a bit of information there. Right, digested in a human way, not in a human smoothie way. Right, uh, it's a subject matter that they're almost trying to chuckle at. Because they they have no other response. 
it's it's crazy. It sounds crazy. Well, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but if you guys go back to maybe one of the podcasts we done earlier, I, I believe it was near the end of the water podcast when we were talking about resonance and frequency yeah. and how the universe was all connected. And if maybe instead of using vehicles to travel, we had the hypothesis that how would maybe a, an extraterrestrial entity manifest itself here on this plane or manifest itself here on this frequency and we sort of speculated a little bit along these lines of an an extraterrestrial entity using biological material on this plane to manifest in, in th- you know in a three-dimensional way uh, we referenced the the fact that the Montagnier experiments where they were able to send the DNA of, of, a, of a virus over several hundred miles from France to Italy, right? And what they used, the thing that they needed to reanimate that virus was PCRs, peptides, right? Enzymes. So maybe the way these extraterrestrials have to manifest here is by using biological material, which would be human material. That, that that was something that we sort of speculated on, which was interesting because then they was shortly after that that she sent me these videos and I was like, they're not saying the same thing, but they're along the same line. Yeah, and they're they're theories of, well, not not just theories. Remember that uh, I'll see if I can find the clip, but there are theories, and again I say theories, but of shapeshifters that they are reptilian or gray shape-shifting from uh, human-looking, right? And how could this be done? Well, why couldn't it be done through frequency? This is the veil. And again, maybe this is why the frequency of Saturn is being hijacked. It's You know what it seems like? It's almost like the movie They Live because there was a frequency band being broadcasted and the only way you were unable to the only way you were able to see these under other entities was if you saw if you had these magical sunglasses, which is interesting because the sunglasses that became illegal, going all the way back to the seventies, that had the the cyan, the cyan, which was the same sort of material that you use whenever you take photography, that that Carolian photography, right. which we talked about Carolian photography again. Right. Everybody out there that's following this podcast over this time. You know the the Kirlian photography is the, is the phantom leaf photography or the ability to go ahead and take for, you know photography of somebody's auras. So yeah, it definitely seems like while there is a struggle here between you know people who it seems like there are people of this knowledge that are trying to get this knowledge out there, or maybe it's the same people who are doing these things and just kind of like throwing it in our faces. You know, you don't know what this is, but ha ha ha. You know what I mean? Um, I, I mentioned about uh, a clip from Billy Billy Corgan. He was on the uh, Howard Stern show, which I'm not a fan of Howard Stern. He's whatever. Every Everybody to each his own. I think he's a jackass. But there was a clip where he speaks. Billy Corgan, uh, lead singer and uh, creator of Smashing Pumpkins. Huge talent, right? Uh, same guy who owns a wrestling business now. NWA, yeah. NWA. It's crazy. We're, we're wrestling fans here. <laughs> But uh, he has a clip, a video clip. I'm going to see if I can find it. And if I can, I'll insert it here where he talks about witnessing a shapeshifter. The Howard Stern Show. 
Howard Stern Show. What happened? Give me a give me a give me a for instance. I I, I want to know. I'm turning, I would I'm love turning to have these so experiences. No, don't be embarrassed. Come on, share. Why not? We have to discuss let's these just, things. Let's let's just say I was with somebody once and and I saw I saw a transformation that I can't explain. Mm. The, the person transformed into something other than human. Yes, I saw it. Were you on drugs? I was not. I was totally sober. Wow. You were talking with, I'm just going to, I'm asking you some questions. <laughs> if you were, ta- you were talking to someone yes. and you're having a conversation, yes. like we are now, yeah. this close. <laughs> and the person suddenly, not in a hallucination, they said to you, look, something's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show, I'm going to morph into something else. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is ridiculous. That's not how it happened. T- give me, give me, give me, give me a, please. I no, want to see this. Imagine you're doing something and suddenly you turn around and there's somebody else standing there. A different human. Sort of. It's hard to explain without going to detail. I'd rather you, not go into okay. details. But did you say to the person, what'd you just do here? That's yes, you. and they acknowledged it. And, oh. and what did they say they were? From another planet? And they wouldn't explain. So, there you have that. Right? Famous mu- musician, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins, coming out publicly saying that he's seen what can only be described as a, as a shapeshifter because he said it was not human that it shifted to. What do we do when people try blowing whistles? I mean, if it's crazy and it sounds crazy, should we we immediately label it as crazy? Should we dismiss it immediately? Hiding in plain sight. That's so many, so many times we hear so many whistleblowers trying to come out with with different type of information, and the only thing the mainstream media and everybody else surrounding it can do is say. That's crazy talk. You're crazy. Why not entertain the idea that possibly they're trying to sound an alarm for a reason? It's almost like the sixth chakra is being blocked. We we can't mentally even conceive of it, which is what you were saying. The, the sixth chakra, actually, we looked it up here. It was actually the third eye. The third eye. So it's... Your it's antenna. Your antenna, right? And why would that be important? Because... If what David Icke was talking about is real, if this, the rings of Saturn are crystal, right, they're going to project broad, you know, a broadcast signal. It's going to make it stronger, right? And the moon mate or the Saturn moon matrix, the whole thing is the signal coming here, right, being amplified by the moon and basically putting us all in a fog. You know, it's, it's, Funny that we talk about all of these things leading into our upcoming episodes, Jeffro, because all of it has to do with rituals and uh, different types of happenings that happen all around us, things that are staggering to us from time to time. And like you said, they do it in plain sight. They, they do it for reasons, for their reasons. We, when we were looking up uh, Knights Templar research for the last episode, we stumbled upon uh, Jordan Maxwell's video of Saturn Fraternitas or whatever. You know, I, right. I, I know Which introduced I'm, us to this whole subject. Right, I'm slowly breaking this down here, but we also stumbled upon a video that showed how a ritual could be taken place. For the 9-11 attacks. In plain view. In plain view. Should we play it? 
Well, and and before you do play it, the, we this is our groundwork. This is us laying the groundwork over the last several episodes, right? We wanted to make sure whenever we went into the nine eleven subject matter, because it's very touchy for some people, and absolutely understand that. But too many times, whenever you have discussions like this coming from this sort of angle of of conspiracy. You, you have people push back immediately and, and the second you even broach the subject they're saying well how could you why, why would you you know those people died and you know we're not saying they didn't right no and it's just it's, it's a very sensitive thing sure and the fact that we would propose a hypothesis and some people wouldn't even say a hypothesis but I'll, I'll state it in that manner mm-hmm that this was something that was organized and implemented on purpose. It's hard for people to accept. But if you followed us through this this series, which is, I believe this is one of our longest series, if not the longest, these conspiracies and these secret societies and all these different things from the beginning of time, or at least from the beginning of written time with with the Egyptians all the way up through, through Judaism, Christianity, right? All the way into, you know, Skull and Bones, Freemasons, all of this, you know, all the way up into the Illuminati and now uh, the Brothers Fraternus, you know, the fraternity of the Saturn. Right. Whenever you posit the fact that there can be something going on within the elements of government, implementing something like this you at this point we've given enough evidence and you know precursory sort of information that you have to at least consider it and that's the whole reason why we do it we don't want to just throw these things out there like have been done throughout the past since since 9-11 for this particular uh this particular topic, right? You know, so many whistleblowers have come out since it happened. Said, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This doesn't add up. This doesn't add up. Take a look at this. Take a look at this." Without explanation, right? Without deep explanation of why, how could you come to this crescendo idea of this horrible, horrible? I'm gonna say ritual. Okay. Understand something. We are all expendable. All of us. Every one of us are expendable. And that's how they view us. That's how they view us, yes. All right, Jeffro. So I'm going to play a clip here. We're, we're going to end the podcast here. We're going to play this clip, and then we're going to follow it up with a clip from uh, Jim Caviezel, right? Jim Caviezel, who is very instrumental and very vocal about these things. We're still waiting for his new movie to come out. The Sound of Freedom. So we're going to play this clip, and the first clip before that clip is going to be, uh, I'm sure many people have seen it but haven't really put it together. It's a clip of George Debye sitting in a classroom while the towers are being, you know, attacked. or Right, a video playing. that we all see. We've all We've seen, seen it, seen it right? We've seen it many times, right? Throughout this video, though, they... they the kids are practicing words. And I say, like I said, ritual, the kids are practicing words. What are these words? 
kite, plane, steel, must, hit. Not necessarily in that order. I'll let you guys hear it. But between them going over those words and them getting ready to read a book called The Pet Goat, that is when Bush is quote-unquote told that they've been under attack. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and place this clip. Do you have anything you want to end on before I do? No, all I can say is I've seen that scene broadcasted, but I've never, prior to coming to exposure to this video, had not seen it slowed down or or what the teacher and the students were talking about amplified. It was just sort of purposely kind of reduced and, you know, the the vocals was reduced a little bit, I guess. Everybody was always focusing on the reaction of President Bush rather than what was actually being said. Which so, was weird. His right, reaction so, was very weird. He just yes, sat there. Almost just nodding. No, not, nodding and, and yeah. just acceptance. Well, it's going down? Good. Everything's in order. What it seemed like. Right. But when you and I first came across this clip, I remember my job being... A gasp for at least five or ten minutes. Right. Now, I've seen this clip before, and I, yeah, I remember he, Jeffro here, he needed some new underpants. But we're going to go ahead and play this clip, and we just want to thank everybody for listening and being patient while we were able to get this uh, episode out, because it did take us a little bit longer. And we appreciate everybody, everybody reaching out to us. It keeps us going, keeps us uh, doing what we do. For you guys doing what you do, all the discussions and everything that you guys put into it, and we uh, we like to put out as much. Not in a sense of us putting out, but you know. Here's the clip. Get ready to get all these words on this page without making a mistake. Look at the letter at the end and remember the sound it makes. Get ready. Kite. Yes, kite. Get ready to read this word the fast way. Get ready. Kite. Yes, kite. Sound it out, get ready. Kate. Sound it out, get ready. Kate. What word? Kate. Yes, get. Boys and girls, sound this word out. Get ready. Steel. What word? Steel. Yes, steel. Read these words the fast way. Get ready. Play. Yes, play. Get ready. Must. Yes, must. Let's read these words the fast way without making a mistake. Get ready. Kite. Yes, kite. Get ready. Kick. Yes, kick. Get ready. Steel. Yes, steel. Get ready. Plane. Yes, plane. Get ready. Must. Yes, must. Go to go speak the reader up from under your seat. Open your book up to lesson 60 on page 153. <laughs> said that evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Well, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. 
We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose this war, and in so doing lose this great way of freedom of ours, history will report with the greatest astonishment that those that had the most to lose did the least to prevent it from happening. Well, I think it's high time now that we ask ourselves if we still even know the freedoms that were intended for us by our founding fathers. Every generation of Americans needs to know that freedom exists, not to do what you like, but having the right to do what you ought. You weren't made to fit in, my brothers and sisters. You are born to stand out. Set yourself apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. God bless you.